and welcome back to latest greatest episode of the shaving points podcast sorry if there was a delay there i just moved into a new house i'm still figuring out what how the internet's working here how the reception is in my basement my new basement which i'm excited about but regardless welcome back we are joined as always by my co-host Jayton may and by the football rum how are we doing tonight boys fantastic what's going on guys happy to be here thanks for inviting me nfc yeah. east baby that's right the beast back to beast form right <laughs> absolutely. absolutely the nfc beast that's my favorite nickname for a division the only one i can even think of <laughs> yeah grump why don't you tell the people where they can find you find your work and tell them what you do so I have a Giants podcast called the Just Giants Podcast. We're on YouTube and SoundCloud. You can just look up Just Giants Podcast. You can see all that information right there on the screen. I also, uh, I get really into the NFL draft completely like on my own. I just do stuff. So I just launched my own football grump uh, YouTube channel as well. I put up a couple videos at the end of the draft that we just had. I was just kind of testing things out, feeling how things are going. Uh, and this whole year, I'm going to be doing a lot more like college football stuff lead into the the draft. So I'm a little bit more prepared for draft stuff. And uh, yeah, and that's where you can find me right on there. Quentin loves draft. Absolutely. So uh, I actually met Grump at the Senior Bowl this year. Oh, okay. we looking at draft prospects. So it was that's a right. good time. Who doesn't love draft prospects? But, so much fun. And also, yeah. you saw me in that Under Armour hoodie that's right there on the screen. That was the yeah. last I saw of that hoodie. I, I <laughs> left it in Alabama, and I, I will never see it again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I bet uh, that's not even surprising, because it was like 50 degrees, 80 degrees, 50 degrees, oh, 80 yeah. degrees. Did you, were you one of the people, did you did you get a wicked sunburn that first day? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, but, but only half your body, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, no, it was, uh, that, was, that was the most sunburned men i've ever seen in my life and it was just pretty sure it was ridiculous pretty sure quentin gets a sunburn at night yeah yeah i, I actually try try to get the moon i'm in the basement i just try to stay away from the from any light in general absolutely <laughs> but let's get into the giants so grump i sent you a few questions beforehand and the first one was what is the state of the new york giants so i'd love to hear your so yeah, I mean, it's it's really exciting. We're in year two of the Brian Dable coaching tenure, uh, year two of the Dable Kafka offense, year two of the Wink Martindale defense, and year two of the Joe Shane front office. They sort of, I, I, I mean, I, I try to, the Just Giants podcast and me in general as a person, I try to temper enthusiasm off the field. You know, at the stadium, I'm balls to the wall. Everything is the end of the world or the best play ever. But when it comes to when I get home and I, I pull it back a little bit, I try to be as realistic as possible. And uh, I would say that the Giants overachieved last year. They won a lot. And, and I would say due to a lot of really good, savvy coaching, they won a lot of very close games. They hung tight in games they frankly probably did not belong in. And uh, they were able to squeak out some crazy wins. I mean, I, immediately what comes to mind is the Packers game in London. Uh, the Ravens game at home was a huge upset from my perspective i did not expect that game to go the way it did um and with that as the year went on more and more trust was built between the coaching staff the roster there were guys that had no vote of confidence whatsoever who 
ballooned all the way up the depth chart. I mean, think of Darius Slayton was a healthy scratch week one, completely re-earned earned a new two-year contract. Daniel Jones, his fifth-year option was declined, went into it and came out of the season with a, a playoff appearance win and um, a new four-year contract. So uh, as the year went on, that overachieving team seemed to really gel together as a legit team that was operating on a completely minimal cap with almost no space to do anything. They were kind of throwing together anything that would work. And um, now we go into this year, they had a lot more cap space to work with. Uh, They re-signed a bunch of guys. They brought in some new guys to fill some holes. They had a pretty good draft. And uh, expectations are really, really high. The state of the Giants right now, I would say, is euphoric around just the Giants Twitter. Uh, I'm sure training camp. I'm headed to training camp tomorrow morning. So I'll get my first personal dose of that. But everyone is very, very excited. They're high on building off of last year. So it's a good time to be a Giants fan, especially after some of the darkest days that the franchise has ever seen. The way you said that, some of the darkest days the franchise has seen. Like when I was throwing this together, one of the things we put up on the graphic is a five-year record. And 28-53-1 after a 9-7-1 season, that that's rough. That, that had that had to be hard for Giants fans to go through. And it's like, there's some light at the end of the tunnel here. That's not, that's exciting. Oh, yeah. So th- what we did on our last Just Giants was, I, and it just kind of occurred to me, I was like thinking, I was talking to my, my co-host, the Cranky fan, and um, I, I kind of asked him, I was like, does this feel at all like, you know, coming into, because he predates me uh, with some stuff here. I was born in 1987. So I missed that... Uh, I grew up through the 90s Giants, which were terrible. I grew up with Dave Brown. I grew up with Danny Cannell. And I remember when the coaching switch happened and it, around the year 2000. And, you know, they go to the Super Bowl around then. And I asked him if it felt like that because I was a little too young to know. And, like, back then, I mean, you're reading the newspaper for your sports news. And he likened it even further back to coming out of the 70s, which was awful time for Giants. So if he says that, then I would say it's at least in the conversation for some of the darkest days in the franchise history. Yeah. So on a lighter note, <laughs> what is something you're really excited about for the Giants? Well, I mean, a lot of the things I said, I'm, I'm just as excited as other Giants fans for year two of Jones, Dable, and Kafka working together. So one of the things that was really striking is, is Daniel Jones has never really had a consistent offensive coordinator or scheme. And one of the early stories coming out was that Brian Dable just approached Daniel Jones and asked him flat out, like, what kind of plays do you like to run? So a lot of media people early on were asking, like, oh, asking Mike Kafka, is this a lot of the Chiefs offense? Asking Brian Dable, is this a lot of the Bills offense? And the resounding answer was, no, this is the Giants offense. We built this, the three of us. We made this together. So now, as you watch Daniel Jones throughout last year blossom into, um, you know, a more fluid player, a more comfortable player, a more vocal leader, um, that's definitely something to be excited about. And last year, they're operating with, like, no cap space whatsoever. They a completely inherited roster. And, and meanwhile, Joe Shane had to operate a draft in 2022 with front office people that got fired right at the end. I mean, he's working with scouts that he's not super comfortable with. Uh, Even with that, now we have a whole new year with Paris Campbell brought in, Darren Waller brought in, drafting John Michael Schmitz is huge. Bringing in Bobby Okereke on defense to uh, 
supplement a linebacker group that was not good for as long as I can remember. Um, it's definitely, definitely exciting in the short term for me to think about year two of this and continuing to build. But I kind of sat back and was thinking about it. The thing I might be most excited about for the long term with this team is Joe Shane. Uh, is it possible? I mean, I'm I'm on the insider perspective here where it's Giants 24-7 for me. You guys, not so much. Is he really being considered possibly one of the better GMs in the NFL right now? A super young guy with great coaching hires. Uh, a really good relationship with this young coach that he has. He retained four first-round picks in one offseason between Dexter Lawrence, Saquon Barkley, Daniel Jones, and who am I forgetting? Boy, that sucks. <laughs> Dexter Lawrence. Oh, man. I feel stupid right now. Andrew Thomas, of course. The one they just did, the left tackle. So four first-round picks re-signed in one offseason and managing to... I mean, just the balance of Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones and getting them both done at once was difficult enough as it is. Uh, I'm definitely excited for Joe Shane. The front office philosophy is totally different than traditional giant stuff. And it looks like, you know, players come and go over time. Players get hurt. They move on. You don't have the money to keep them. But your front office is your front office. And he's a young guy that can be here for a really long time. So I'm really excited for that. Kind of a lame answer, but. <laughs> Giants definitely seem like a team on the rise, uh, signing, signing their young guys. I'm not sure if we really absolutely know what Daniel Jones is right now, but I think at the very worst, he's a frisky quarterback. How do you think they're going to do in this NFC beast of a division where I don't think it's arguable that at best you're the third best team in, in the division? Are, are you confident against Philly and Dallas? And I mean, Washington's not even going to be a rollover this year if they can get some decent quarterback play too. So it's going to be going to be a brutal, brutal division. What are your thoughts on uh, how you'll be able to compete this year? It's a tough division. And I think that's the hardest thing working against them. Uh, I think around the league, I think they're a top team as in like in the upper, you know, the upper half. But it, it's tough, right? Like the Eagles are the class of the NFC as much as I hate to say all of those words in one sentence. Dallas is no slouch whatsoever. Even like you said, even Washington, especially now that Daniel Snyder's out. I mean, they're only going to continue getting better as far as I can see uh, over time. As far as this year, you know, you're not going to like this, but I actually think at best the Giants are the second best team in this division. That's at best. But I mean, there's a lot at play there and a lot can fall apart really quickly. I have less confidence in Dak Prescott than I think a lot of people. Uh, but I mean, you know, like what, what you said about we don't know what Daniel Jones is, is absolutely correct. I'm not going to sit here and argue with you on that one. Like one good year does not negate a whole bunch of other film. My biggest thing is, with Dallas is I'm more worried about I, I just don't know how to handle that defense that is really what I struggle with they they could probably have the best defense in the league yeah with the deepest players at every single position on defense too I mean they're two or three deep almost everywhere yeah I I don't really know how you deal with Dallas's defense I'm less worried about having to keep pace with their offense I mean this could be this could I mean you could play this back in a, in a couple weeks and I could sound like a total fool um, yeah, three really good receivers I like I said I don't I this is I I don't love Dak Prescott and I really don't love uh trusted brother head coach. Not a whole lot of people do I I am not a big McCarthy guy 
Not at all. I I think, I mean, I think coaching is definitely the weakest part of the Dallas team. And then depth at running back. And then Dak is what he is. I mean, he's Josh Allen. So steering it back towards the Giants a little bit. (laughs) Uh, We had one more question for you here of, What's what, what's the thing you're most nervous about for the upcoming season? Expectations. One good year, you know, I, I try to stay very measured. Like I said, they started the year as like an overachiever. They surprised some people. I think some good coaching got them out of some tight situations. So my personal expectations for the team is to see visual improvement. That may not be reflected in the record. It may not even be reflected in some stats. But if I go there and I feel like this offense is finally humming, which it certainly was not really doing last year, it had its moments, it had good drives when they needed it. But overall, they were not some offensive juggernaut. Um, defensively, defensively, they relied a lot on just generating fake pressure through exotic blitzes and stuff. And that's awesome. And I love that stuff. But as far as natural pressure on four-man rushes and even on, on, on some five-man rushes, it just wasn't there. So for me, I'm looking to see things kind of continue to improve, even if it doesn't mean more wins. For Giants fans, I think that might be a hard pill to swallow. I think that's going to be tough to to hear that they might have less wins this year than last year, even though the roster is better. It's the second year in the system, this, that, and the other thing. And I especially, I'm worried about fan expectations for first round pick Deontay Banks. I am on the, I am of the belief that cornerbacks out of the draft, that that is like the toughest situation to be put in. It's a high confidence position. And it's a huge jump from the college level to the NFL level. I mean, some of the best receivers have some crazy footwork. Some receivers are simply unguardable no matter who's there. And if you get a young guy too down on himself and a fan base that's that's all over him, it can spell disaster for, for somebody like that. So I, I'm my expectations for Deontay Banks personally are probably a lot lower than most other Giants fans. And that's, that's really what I'm most nervous about. Um, and also, just in general, this team, the depth is kind of shaky. So any health problems they have could derail everything. I, I think that's a great point on, on the second point on the depth. But on Deontay Banks, man, I want to hype him up. I mm-hmm. love that guy, man. He was one of my no, favorite me players too, in dude. the draft. <laughs> I love him, too. He's like a really humble guy. He got like no power five uh letters in the mail and maryland was his first one it's his home state he was happy to go there even then like he wasn't like nationally ranked or anything like that he was a very very low ranked guy he stayed humble stayed hungry and look at his film he earned his first round pick slot giants or otherwise yeah so i got a question about your guys first round pick from last year what as an outsider you know i've I, I didn't watch a lot of Giants last year. I just, I know the stats look bad on Evan Neal. I've heard okay. countless people talk about Evan Neal's. Oh, yeah, because y'all had two, because he had the Bears one as yeah. well. But anyways, <laughs> what what happened with Evan Neal? Because I, I thought he was a, a rock-solid guy, like insert, and an offensive tackle, kind of like corner, like you said. Yep. An, an offensive tackle rookie. Struggling means they're running par for the course, but the numbers look like real serious struggles. So I'm curious on the Giants end, like as a as a when he watches all of their game, what do you see with that that was happening? Um, so I agree with you. Offensive tackle is a really difficult one, especially it's one that 
honestly, if you if you have a good roster, when you draft an offensive tackle at the right time, you shouldn't need to play him right away. Unfortunately, the Giants desperately needed it. So he was thrust in there. It's kind of a position switch. He had to move to the right side. Um, Bobby Johnson is a strange offensive line coach. Uh, does not believe in vertical setting. Um, was like a big thing. I, I'm not a big O-line guy in terms of the X's and O's and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, doesn't believe in vertical sets. So a lot of like lateral steps and stuff like that was not really Evan Neal's game. And I think he came in a little heavier than I think you want. And I think that the biggest problem for him was getting out of his stance. He just was just a step too slow getting out of his stance. And like the NFL, portions of a second mean everything, let alone whole seconds. You know what I mean? So a lot of it was just he was in chase mode before he was even, you know, out of his three-point stance. Uh, we've seen some improvement with that in training camp this year. I've seen some clips, but I myself have not been there to see it on a consistent basis or anything like that. Um, but yeah, like tackle to me, only like the studs of the studs of tackles are able to just jump in there and be like that. And as highly touted as Evan Neal was and, you know, as highly drafted as he was, I would not say that he reminded me of Andrew Thomas in the draft, who I was all for them taking it for. I was a big Andrew Thomas guy. I saw him as a plug and play left tackle. And even though Evan Neal was picked only one slot lower, I didn't see him as a plug and play guy. I knew that he would need some work, but he had all the things that you want. You know, big, long guy, big body, huge fucking guy. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's just going to be time with him. And I, I think that uh, shedding weight in the offseason and continuing to work at the NFL level, at the NFL speed, I think he'll round out over time. It may not even be right away this year. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, Andrew, like you said, it, even though he didn't remind you of Andrew Thomas, Andrew Thomas is a guy who did struggle early on as well. And you, Little you bit, see it yeah. all the time. You see it all the time. He had different stuff where he was kind of oversetting and undersetting at times, just worried about either getting beat around the edge or getting beat on the inside. He just wasn't trusting himself too much. Um, and that was where he was kind of screwing up. And now, uh, so, you know, a little different for Neil, but same idea, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, so with the wide receiver core here, I mean, adding Darren Waller has the potential oh, yeah. to be a huge difference for this offense, I think. And I'm... I'm curious what your expectations are, though, for for Isaiah Hodgins as a guy who kind of came out of nowhere. Like, I remember hype about him as a UDFA, or, or was he a seventh-round pick? One of those two. And then, like, he he just exploded on the scene late last year. What do you see coming from him this year? Um, he's another one where I have, like, measured expectations. Uh, I, I would not say that he overachieved last year. I think that probably people including myself didn't really know him uh we were unfamiliar with his game if you will um <laughs> but really solid route runner great hands and tough as nails i mean he's not a guy who goes out there and just gains a ton of separation but he is a guy who is more than willing to take hits fight for the ball and come out with the ball in his hands just about every time solid route running helps him it gets him in good situations um and I think that he's a he's like a clutch chain mover kind of guy, if that makes sense. But he's not really like Amari Cooper out there, you know, or anything like that. But I, I yeah. think that his role on the team is very, very important. And uh, an offense that kind of 
works around just getting people in space, he has his spot in that where he can be trusted in tight situations to get the ball in, in, and secure it in his hands. So well, that's kind of where I expect him. Once you get a, a guy like Paris Campbell out there with him, who, you know, is going to help create that space, create those, those windows for him. I think that that's the type of player you can win with because he, he is so good at bo just bodying guys in his spot. Right. Yeah, and I think also you have really good, I don't know what you really want to call them, but quote-unquote like clear-out guys at all three levels, right? With Paris Campbell kind of in the short range, Darren Waller in the intermediate range, and Jalen Hyatt can certainly take the oh. top off of a defense. So, I mean, all three of those guys can let guys like Daniel Bellinger and Isaiah Hodgins flourish. And even, I would say, like Saquon Barkley out of the back. Uh, yeah. They would all benefit just from having those guys on the field. Yeah, it's almost like the 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 sum of the parts are are uh, are, are greater, I guess, than the total. You right. know, like where, where them together should be more valuable than any one of them individually. Correct. Yeah, um, I would say. So. Yeah, I for, I for I'll be honest. Just sitting here, like I threw this graphic together earlier today. I went, oh yeah, that Jalen Hyatt, right? And then I was sitting here, I completely forgot about him. You know. <laughs> 10 hours later but Jalen Hyatt that I can really add and that brings some nice depth to this wide receiver well I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts on him as a as a fellow draft guy because he had some first round hype for the Giants and I was not about it I was very against the idea of the Giants picking him in the late first round uh and they were able to squeeze him in that third which I was ecstatic about yeah, um, but I'm curious what you, what I don't know. How did you feel about him in this uh, draft prospect? I was surprised his forty wasn't faster. To be completely mm -hmm. to be completely frank, because on tape it looked faster. Right. Um, but regardless of what the forty was, I believe his explosive testing was still strong, which matched the tape. Explosive player. I mean, I he's just electric out there, man. And I mean, I'll, the the only reason I wouldn't be okay with a first round pick grade on him is the Tennessee offense. I just oh, I yeah. don't know what's real there. I don't know what is transferable, what's translatable. I don't know how much of a route tree he's he knows or he's capable of learning quickly. So that would be the concern. But at the end of the day, the guy just he knew how to get open in the deep parts of the field and that's a that's a valuable trait. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. That that Tennessee offense is just, you know Baker's most think, tits these days. And I think with a lot of burners, you get really worried about skinny guys who are going to get hurt. You know, mm. football's just, it's a, inherently a big guy sport. But I feel like Hyatt is a pretty compactly built dude where I'm not as concerned about that. But he still has that deep credibility, which is kind of less injury risk, I feel like, with the, his body type. Yeah, I would say I was more concerned about Wandale Robinson's injury yeah. situation. And and he got hurt right away last year and then came back and then tore his ACL in, in his breakout game against the Lions, I think. Yeah, I, I remember that one game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and be like, oh, he did it. Okay. Um, <laughs> now, on the, on the defensive side, man. Like, Hit me. I love this D-line. I love this D line, man. I can't help it as a, a a guy who just really appreciates the play in the pits. Like, uh, let me ask you this: Dexter Lawrence is a top 
insert number defensive tackle in the NFL? What's the number? Currently, a guy's like currently at, at where they are. Yeah, yeah. I, he has to be top five. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would say. I, I would animal. say you could probably make an argument for for top three. Uh, I'm sure some people would get really bent out of shape with me saying that. And probably what like Chiefs fans might get mad at me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he's an animal in both phases of the game. He's an elite run stopper, and last year he had his breakout year as a as a pass rusher. Um, he's he's a, I almost feel like he's a new breed of guys because you don't see these guys off who can truly be a nose tackle but be a real like top of the league type threat as a pass rusher you don't find guys like that who have that mass to be a true nose like it's just incredible so he was drafted in the first round by dave gettleman uh in, in the year we also drafted daniel jones we had three first round picks that year um two of them were planned one we traded up for uh and I had done work on Dexter Lawrence, but I really didn't expect the Giants to identify him or do anything. So when we drafted him, I was like, oh, let me look at my notes. I hadn't thought about him in like a, a couple weeks now. And I'm looking at it. I'm like, dude, this this guy plays all over the defensive line at Clemson. Like he was just everywhere. He was on the end, right on nose. And at, at the three technique, he was, he was all over the place in the line. And I was like, the immediate fan reaction, and not, not just Giants fan, football fan, was the Giants just spent a first round pick on a two down run stuffer and i was like that's not what my notes say that doesn't make any sense mm -hmm. and it took some time for him to blossom perhaps get in the right defense perhaps get the right uh guys around him but he was grading out very well by like his second year uh it was only until this past year when the giants themselves got good and his his sack number got high that the rest of the nfl seemed to realize who dexter lawrence was so I mean, Giants fans who, who paid close attention, not just myself, lots of Giants fans, we knew who Dexter Lawrence was for a little bit. But now, I mean, this was exactly what we hoped he would become. And now right. you've got him next to Leonard Williams. You've got Sean Robinson coming in. They just went out and got Nunez Roaches as well. It's hard not to like this defensive line. I would argue it's probably the strongest part of the whole team. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I mean, so... One thing that kind of surprised me was I did not realize Ojolari played so few snaps last year. Mm. What ha was it injury that happened? Injury. What, what was it that hit? Um, I don't remember the exact nature of the injury, but he was injured in his first year as well. For, yeah. Just as, as a side note, for the, as few snaps as he got, he had five and a half snap sacks. Yeah. It's crazy. For like, for like, he had a sack a game for like four games in a row. <laughs> it was pretty crazy, yeah. but... He showed up at the camp last year, ballooned up to like 255 uh, in, in just pure muscle. And I wasn't one of the people, but I did see it floating around. Giants fans were like, I don't know. That's that's a lot of weight on his upper body that just suddenly appeared. That might put a lot of like extra torque on like his joints. And it was pretty, he barely played it all last year. Really, yeah. truly. Uh, I don't even, you have the snap numbers. It's it's yeah. He played nineteen percent of the snaps last yeah. year, defensive snaps last year. I got that in my notes. Yeah, he was just not active for a lot of the games for for a very large portion in the early part of the year. Yeah, and then I feel like in most of these episodes we kind of rush over linebacker pretty quickly, as the most of the NFL tends to do. Uh, but yeah. 
how's Okareke going to change what you guys do? Or I mean, I feel like he's kind of a weird ad for Wink Martindale defense because he's such a coverage linebacker. Well, that was kind of the big problem. Um, so Wink likes to mix and match. He likes to bring pressure from unexpected places. And that means that coverage comes from unexpected places. So you might see Leonard Williams drop into coverage and two safeties come in on an A-gap blitz or something crazy like that. Um, the common problem with bringing exotic, I mean, exotic blitzes are risky. You're kind of banking on confusing a quarterback and that might work when you face Sam Howell, right? That'll probably confuse the shit out of Sam Howell, but it's not easy to trick the Aaron Rodgers of the world. Uh, they're smart guys. They do a lot of film work. They've been around a long time. They've seen everything. So in those instances, when you start bringing crazy pressures and you're bringing six, seven guys you're leaving big holes in the back. And the Giants got burned pretty often last year. Um, they got lucky sometimes. They had good coverage other times. But we haven't had a good linebacker here since, like, Antonio Pierce. Uh, I would say in the 2011 season, they had Michael Boley, who did pretty well as well. And they, they were good in coverage, and that's what they really haven't had. They tried to bring in Jared Davis last year. Um, you know, that is what it is. And now he's hurt. He's I think he's getting surgery, so he's going to miss probably the whole season. Okereke, on the other hand, is a very coverage linebacker. Like you said, he's also incredibly long, uh, really, really long arms. I want to say like cornerback length. Um, and just that extra little bit of length to bank pass breakups, it's going to mean all the difference when you're bringing six, seven guys in the uh, Wink Martindale. So this is probably the most transformative defensive addition that they brought in was Okereke. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I'll i be honest, I thought he was going to be a bear. And then oh. the Bears got Tremaine Edmonds, and I was like, okay, well, I'm cool with that, too. But yeah, I, just, <laughs> can't I, I thought Eberflus right? was going to pound the table for his guy, but I just didn't realize who his guy was. I guess. But, um, <laughs> uh, so, I mean, I, all that to say, I'm a big fan of Okereke's game. I thought he, he went underrated last few Um And in the cornerback room, uh, we'll talk through the DBs and then we'll get to the schedule here. Um, I, I like what you guys have on the outside between Banks, Jackson. I mean, as I've said already, I like Banks a lot, a lot, a lot. I was higher than most at, like on him in this class. I thought he was barely underrated even as a first round pick. I, I considered him. I, th I think I had him as CB3 in the class. Um, so I, I, I'm, I was, I think at 24, that's absolute steal now like you said you're worried about people overhyping what he's gonna do and i'm doing the opposite of that right now <laughs> so i'm gonna pull this back a little bit that rookie corners do tend to struggle but i, I mean i think pairing him with adory jackson could be really solid but is jackson gonna stay healthy here played 50 percent of the snaps last year was that kind of a recurring thing or is that something that was more one-off man you I, I, any Giants fan that's watching this, I, I think like seven blood vessels burst in eyeballs when you just said it. <laughs> so Adoree Jackson has a storied history in the NFL of injuries, right? His injury last year occurred on a punt return because Richie James fumbled two punt returns in the week prior. They pulled him. They mm. put Jackson back there. And the moment, the moment that it was announced that Adoree Jackson was fielding punts in practice that week, 
every Giants fan was like, please don't do this. Please don't do this. And it was the first punt return that he went to do. He got tackled awkwardly. He got hurt. And that was the only time he missed. He missed several games. Um, and it was only because of that. As far as being a defender, he didn't get hurt at all. So if they can wise up with special teams and not ever do that again, <laughs> yeah. I think that Adoree Jackson can probably stay healthy. But they have some cool stuff going on in the back. They, they In the late rounds, they picked Trey Hawkins out of Old Dominion, um, who did not make a lot of draft buzz, and that's fine. The only reason people like me knew about him is because the Giants brought him in for a visit, so we did some due diligence, and lo and behold, they drafted him. Super long guy, 6'3". He's already earned some first-team snaps in training camp, so he's already impressing way beyond expectations. Also, guys like... Um, Nick McLeod, they pulled from Buffalo last year, did a lot of special teams work, filled in for Adoree Jackson and surprised me right away. Um, I think that Nick McLeod is a versatile DB that can move into some safety situations, can move into the slot if needed. He can move to the outside. He's just a gamer. He's a good man corner. And the Giants are blessed to have Jerome Henderson as their defensive backs coach. I truly think in the next couple of years, it's going to be a name that you hear around the NFL as a defensive coordinator candidate. Um, every D coordinator that's come through here, he's been retained through all the firings that have happened over the last couple of years. Everyone raves about him and guys like Nick McLeod come in from Buffalo as nobodies and they come they get to earn themselves new deals to stay with the team. And we've already heard that Nick McLeod's being worked all over the defense in the backfield. So I, I um, whether Jackson gets hurt or Banks struggled struggles a little bit i'm i feel very confident in the group that they're building here remember it's still only year two of this you know roster construction adoree jackson could still be retained his his contracts technically end at the end of this year so they have to be planning for life without jackson in case they can't retain him anyway and it seems obvious to me with the way that they're attacking the tv room and offseason stuff and then um to get back to a question that you had, kind of kind of a question that, that you threw out there a while ago about Joe Shane. So the Giants were hiring their GM the same time the Bears. And Joe Shane was who I was, I wanted the Bears to go hire. I thought if you're not following the Bills right now, you're doing it wrong. Like mm -hmm. as far as the way that they're building a team and uh, the way their front office was doing. So... I, I still think very highly of Joe Shane from an outsider, outside the New York Giants bubble perspective. Um, personally, I I was a little bit perplexed as to how he handled the Saquon Daniel Jones thing here. But at the end of the day, I mean, you saying this kind of made me think about it this way. Like, he got it done at the end of the day, which is really kind of what matters here. But um, so and they can franchise Saquon again. Yep. Yeah. So that probably isn't. I'm not knocking him much there on that. Then at that point, so he's still just kind of in the same boat from my perspective. I mean, I'm I'm probably not sitting here saying pounding the table. He's one of the best GMs in the league. But I I respect him a lot, and I think of him as like up and coming still. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Remember though, he is super duper young as far as GMs yeah. go. So I, my, uh, he's impressed me a lot through two years. Remember, you know what he had to do with Saquon Barkley. 
and Daniel Jones at the same thing. You have two premier players. You can't let a quarterback that you're comfortable with go because they'll go. Someone will take Daniel Jones. No matter all the memes of him tripping, running free from the Eagles, it doesn't matter. You can throw up his rookie interception stats if you really want to. Someone was going to take him if the Giants didn't retain him. That's just a fact. Um, Hey, Carson Wentz got two jobs after the Eagles, man. (laughs) uh, That's definitely true. Um, Former MVP Carson Wentz, sir. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, they had to do what they had to do in order, and they got the Daniel Jones deal signed at the zero hour. I mean, within minutes of the deadline. So that forced them into the situation that if it came down to it, this was the one that they wanted, where they would rather use the tag on Barkley because Barkley has zero leverage. And not for nothing, it's not like that was his first move. Barkley was offered an extension midway through the year. So Joe Shane's handling of it is a little give and take. Uh, I'm not going to put any blame on Saquon Barkley. Every player should go out there and make the money that they want to make, that they feel they deserve. And he's certainly a guy that is a household name for non-football fans, right? Um, But that being said, that was how I would have handled I would rather franchise Saquon Barkley than Daniel Jones any day of the week. And Barkley really was stuck in a corner at that point. He had nothing that he could. I mean, that's ultimately why they signed a contract and he showed up day one of camp. So, I mean, I can't fault anybody. Now, I will say we've mentioned it that they can still franchise tag Saquon Barkley next year. If that becomes the case, even though they have $50 million in cap space next year, that's a little shitty. I'll say that. Yeah, that uh, a little shitty. It's a running back. Yeah, no, I mean, (laughs) they whether we want to talk about running back, positional value, etc., it is one of the most injured positions in sports, and they Mm. have to be preparing for life beyond him. Whether they want to keep him for three, five, seven, eleven years, or just this year, it doesn't matter. They have to plan for the eventual life without Saquon Bark. So, yeah, I mean, until the NFLPA bonds leverage somewhere to get rid of the franchise tag which i think is like one of the most bullshit things in all of sports i mean you gotta do what you gotta do right or or find some way to resolve it so that uh i don't know that kind of thing doesn't happen i mean you know jimmy graham kind of had his own issue with the franchise tag when he wanted to be mm-hmm. on the tag as a wide receiver not a tight end you know tackles and guards are on the same franchise tender and that's not really fair either so it, it the tag itself you, you're right it's it's kind of bullshit it there's tweaks to be worked out but the nflpa doesn't stick up for its players so yeah i mean it's the worst thing in all of sports as far as like ownership advantage over players it's probably up there you're probably right yeah <laughs> I, I don't yeah. know what second but like it, it's gotta yeah. be up there Especially when you look at the average NFL career. When you when you look at one year, you're looking at probably over 30% of your career a lot of time. Yeah. But we want to jump into the schedule here, and we'll just roll through it. Usually, we go through these in fours. So, like, we'll, we'll just plow through Dallas, Arizona, San Fran, Seattle. What do you see them doing? Um, one so, four. One and three. No, I actually... I, I see this as uh, two and two. Two and two. So are you uh, thinking Arizona, Seattle there or? Um, I, I think it's either going to be Arizona, Seattle or Arizona, San Francisco. Remember that that quick turnaround to San Francisco plays against them just as much as it plays against us. 
Um, there's a high likelihood that the Giants are just going to stay on the West Coast. I mean, I, I, by high likelihood, I, I think like 103% chance that they're going to stay on the West Coast. So perhaps the travel won't impact them as much. Um, you know, you never know. But I do, for you, my friend, I do see that opening week as a loss. <laughs> I see it as a loss as well. But um, <laughs> so now looking at the next stretch, Miami, Buffalo, Washington, New York, Jets. That's a brutal stretch right there. At Miami, at Buffalo. We'll and get man, Miami Washington without Ramsey. Though. Yeah, but I yeah. Mean, um, do you have a receiver that can take advantage of that? Uh, I think not having Jalen Ramsey, any receiver can take advantage. I, I, I mean, I think really, I think this, this this is a Darren Waller game. I think that was like my notes on this when I looked at the schedule. I just saw this matchup as just. Darren Waller might just be a total mismatch in this game. Um, and I, I actually like the matchup in the trenches against Miami. So I actually have that one as a, a, a pretty comfortable win. I mean, I, I don't think I could. I don't. Do I really even have to say anything speed. about Buffalo? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm going Buffalo's... to that Buffalo game, but making that a Sunday night game. It's going to be a win. For, for the Giants? Giants win. Yes, sir. Why is that? Because Josh Allen's the most overrated quarterback in the NFL. All right. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I I see a lot of regression coming out of Buffalo this year in a very, very tough division. I think the hardest one in that one is the Jets. I just don't know. I mean, everything tells me that they're going to be a legit team this year. They but should be good, but it, they it should just, also be very bad. It feels like it's going to fall apart, right? Yeah, I, I, it, it, like, I'm not saying it will, but, but every said, time I've things that fall about apart, the, it looks like this first. <laughs> I've said that I, about the Packers for the last 10 years. I was like, oh, they're done. And then Aaron Rodgers kept breaking my heart. And now that I'm actually kind of cheering for the guy in that AFC East, I'm like, now he's up. After he's ripped my heart out time and time again. <laughs> I feel like if the Jets are like teetering right there, this game against the Giants could be like, the last piece to just like push him over because a, a defense like wink is that that's what's gonna be like the last straw you know that that facing that defense that if stuff goes their way they're just eating and eating and eating could just break the camel's back listen man you're new to this area so i want you to take note of how <laughs> how insane the philly fans get about their eagles jets and giants fans are just as insane i mean like one bad game and they're the worst thing that's ever happened to the franchise you know you're absolutely right if if the jets are teetering and they lose this game to the giants that means a lot to jets fans i think it means a lot to a lot of giants fans as well perhaps not as many but um you're you're totally right it could all fall apart right at that game that's absolutely yeah. true all right and then next stretch here yeah at raiders at dallas at washington Newing, how do you see that going? I feel pretty good about this stretch. Um, I, I'll one. never. What's up? Three and one stretch. I have this as a three and one stretch. My loss is against New England. Um, I think that's the one where we're just kind of uh, we're really looking. This is like less about the players, and it's more like Dable is kind of playing against Belichick. That's the way I kind of look at that, and that's that sucks. Uh, but I do think with the Dallas game, I think that's going to be a close one. But I do think this coaching staff is very good at adjusting. 
to what they make mistakes on. And I think that's where their win comes from in this game. Washington, you know, until I even say who's see who's playing quarterback this year, whether it's Jacoby Brissett or uh, Sam Howell, I, I'm going to write it in as a win until I see one of them play well. Um, and the Raiders, should Josh McDaniels even be a coach? Who knows, man? I mean, I... No. Nobody's ever got more credit off the back of somebody else in the history of the NFL. <laughs> Yo, you might be right, dude. I think their loss comes to either Dallas or Washington. I just don't think New England's that good of a team. I think New York's going to match up really, really well with them. Like I said, I think Washington's tough. And, like, three road games in a row, you got the, the Raiders, Dallas, and Washington all over the country, too. It's not like they're all similar locations either. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's tough. And... I, I think you lose to either Dallas or Washington in that stretch. I think you split Dallas, Washington, beat the Raiders, beat Patriots. So basically the same thing. Yeah, I see the Patriots as like a toss-up there. But I, th- I think Raiders and Washington are definitely winnable for them. Um, I might do Washington as a toss-up just because it's in Washington. And I, I just have this feeling with the new ownership there that that team's going to get a bit revived and that defense is still nasty. Um, and Ron Rivera is a good coach, man. Yeah, he's a hell of a coach. And then coming off the Dallas bye, to hire. that would have been a heck of a hire. Coming off the bye, last five game stretch here: so Green Bay at New Orleans, at Philly, LA Rams, and then at home against Phil. How you see that point? Five and zero. Um, I actually have us. My, my co-host feels very good about the way we're going to end the season. I actually feel like we're going to kind of limp into the playoffs here. I'm going to start backwards. I, I think by week 18, Philly's not really playing, right? I mean, I, as much as that rivalry means something, they are very serious about how close they were to winning a Super Bowl last year. They are not going to screw around. Um, and I think that there will be plenty of guys resting week 18. I think that one's going to be a win for us. The Rams, I, I, I just, I think they mortgaged a couple of years of their future to they win a Super Bowl. They might be the worst team in the NFL. Yeah, they, they really they really screwed up. Well, they didn't screw up. They won a Super Bowl, but it comes at yeah. a price. Playing Philly on Christmas. I mean, they're going to get Caleb Williams. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> does he have they're to declare? Keep him in L.A. No, he doesn't. But if, yeah. he, does, if, if he, he gets Rams hurt. Number one pick. Yeah, if he gets I think hurt, he goes to he L.A. with go, though. No, if if the Rams and Sean McVay have the number one overall pick, he's going no matter what. No, I'm saying if he gets hurt, he may not declare. No, I'm saying maybe. It, I mean, picking I, him, and if he gets hurt, I don't think he cares. Yeah, I, I don't Andrew think Luck stayed for all four care. years too. Yeah, that was even before NIL. But I think Caleb is going to the NFL pretty much I, as fast right. as he can, as long as the Green Bay Packers don't have. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I could see I could see a, a team like Green Bay. Most of the other like Midwest outdoor cold cities like Bengals and kind of poverty franchises that won't even build an indoor practice facility. They already got their quarterback. So all right. So of the bets that we have up here, the wins over under, the playoff odds, win division, any of those, or anything else that you can just think of off the top of your head, what do you like for the Giants if you're a betting? I'm not much of a betting man. I will tell you that. I do not like them to win the Super Bowl. I don't like them to win an NFC championship. I don't even like, I don't like them winning the division either. Um, I don't like any of those odds, Um, but I do like them making the playoffs. I think that 
with the extra wild card spot, they would have to they would have to go even below my expectations, which I think are pretty measured uh, to not make the playoffs. Especially when you look at the NFC, I don't really look. I mean, I don't really wait and see too much. Yeah. Um, over under for wins, I I think it'll be over seven and a half. Um, yeah. If you make the playoffs, you yeah you're gonna have to win more than seven games. Yeah, I, I think I think yeah. it's pretty fair to think that they might win nine to ten games. Pretty pretty close to last year in terms of the win total. Yeah, I mean, so you'll you'll come off the bye with five wins, so you just have to have four weeks going into the bye, and you're good. You think we're only getting five wins in those first couple weeks? No, no, I'm saying you're coming off the bye mm-hmm. with five wins in a row. Oh, so you oh, just oh, have I to see. win four before then. I got you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because so I got. Billy's, I think I'm Billy's most overrated team in the NFL. I think I'm actually with you on the over. I, I have eight, eight wins that I'm counting here, seven, seven to eight. But I'm gonna round it up to eight because I had seven. Or I have an odd number of toss ups, so that gives me a uneven number. So I have them at seven and a half, exactly where the over unders at. But I'll round it up to eight, especially when you factor in the last week of the season against Philly in New York. Philly might be resting their people. At that point, I really think the over is strong with that last game being against Philly. But if I like Philly's the over, be rested because I probably like for the number one overall pick. Yeah, that. Uh, I probably like the playoffs better just because it's plus 165. And if, if I yeah. have them winning eight games, I like the playoffs more. So give me. Yeah, I think eight, I think eight games gets the playoffs. For this NFC. Yeah. Other thing to note that other Philly game is on Christmas Day, um, and one thing that my my co-host pointed out is you may not be getting the standard Lincoln Financial crowd because of that. You might be getting other no, more. They hate Christmas. <laughs> they hate fun and and happy yeah. feelings and yeah. So you know we we may not be seeing the the same hostile environment in that game, and if they come in there on a roll, you know they could they could shock people and win that game as well so they boot santa claus out of the stadium and threw beer bottles and snowballs at him when was that every year that, that was like a very famous like that was uh, like in the 80s oh, yeah. 70s or very, no, very famous i don't even like, know yeah yeah i just it, know yeah, i've just seen i've seen clips like, of it <laughs> They boo him out of the stadium. They're throwing beer bottles and snowballs at him as he's leaving. It's, it's the nearest stadium that I have not even considered going to. So, yeah, my brother lives right outside of Philly, and uh, we thought about going to a game and we didn't do it, huh? Go, we'll go, go to Happy Penn Valley. Penn. We'll go. We'll go catch Penn State. Like. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, Grump, thank you for coming on, talking Giants with us. Can you tell everyone one more time where to find you? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys again for having me. This is a lot of fun. I love talking this. I can talk football any day of the week at any time. So I appreciate you guys having me on. Um, My Giants podcast is uh, the Just Giants podcast. It's on iTunes, SoundCloud, etc. It's also on YouTube with my co-host, The Cranky Fan. But if you're not a Giants fan, but you still like football, like I said, I do college draft stuff is my that's my favorite thing to do um, that does not involve my favorite team in the world. So me, the football grump, follow me on Twitter or X or whatever it's called these days. Uh, I'm pretty active on there with that stuff. And I started my own football grump YouTube channel that throughout the college season, I'm going to be having more and more videos about matchups and guys who had good weeks, guys who surprised, and just guys who caught my eye. I mean, it, it's going to be kind of free form. But once the draft itself kicks up, I'll be down in Mobile 
probably again next year for the Senior Bowl, and I, all that draft stuff will be on that channel. So if you're not a Giants fan, that's where you can follow me there. I don't know if you if you watch college football specifically for a draft prospect or you actually enjoy it, but if you don't have a college football team, like I know a lot of people in the Northeast don't, check out the Texas Tech Red Raiders this year. They're going to have a squad. There you go. Listen to that. Wreck them. Yes, sir. All right, man. Thank you for coming on, and we'll catch you Yes, sir. Thank you. Take care, guys. All right, Jay. It's your time to shine. Oh, man. I'm struggling right now. I don't know if you've been hearing me, but I can barely breathe. But we're here, boys. And I'm not exaggerating when I say this. And I'm not just a Homer Cowboys fan. This top to bottom, outside of coaching staff, might possibly be the best team in football. They're really damn good, man. They are like, real, like I was, I was like, not gonna lie, I was skeptical going into my roster review. Like I, I do this, these pages of stats <laughs> for every team and like look through their depth top to bottom everything i can find and like i was skeptical before i threw it all together and after i threw it all together i texted jay and i said cowboys got a squad man this team is good the fourth string corner had five picks last year as a rookie um malik hooker is uh one of the better old veterans in the league uh, still playing at the top level. He's also a backup on that defense. Jordan Lewis, who's consistently started for the Cowboys for the past five years, is now the third corner on the team. You have DeMarvian Overshone, who looked pretty good at Texas, backing up Jabril Cox at linebacker. You have Blake Jefferson, who's also played very well, backing up at linebacker. Dorrance Armstrong, Neville Gallimore, Jonathan Hankins, Sam Williams, Dante Fowler Jr. are all rotation guys behind Demarcus Lawrence, Mozzie Smith, Osa Adigazui, and Micah Parson. This defense is probably the most stacked defense in the NFL. Like depth everywhere. Like they're they're literally their second team defense is probably top twenty five at worst. Yeah, I mean what would that look like? Like X corners you'd have like You'd have two guys that had eight picks combined last year. Yeah, so we're like Deron Bland, Jordan Lewis, Israel Mukuamu, and J-Ron Curse. That's your secondary. Like, that's um, Malik Hooker. Hooker. Hooker actually, he played more snaps than Curse last year. Yeah, Curse is technically listed ahead of him right now. But, okay. I mean, a, a lot of it's going to be rotation. And, I mean, then, I mean, I mean they're just corners. So St- Stephon Gilmore, Trevon Diggs just signing a, a monster deal. And then probably the best O-line we've had in Dallas since 2014. With If Tyron Smith can stay healthy, which, I mean, that hasn't happened in a while. But Tyron Smith, Tyler Smith, Tyler Biotis, Zach Martin, and Terrence Steele. I mean, this this is kind of where I get worried because there's not a whole lot of depth on O-line. Yeah, that, that's my the one starters, question. The starters are very, very solid. Um, Interior depth is so the only question. Get, just got to stay healthy. Because, like, you can slide Tyler Smith out to tap. 
to either tackle yeah. spot, I believe, if that, an injury happens there. But then tackle. it's just like you don't have anyone to replace him. You know, it's yeah. that interior that really that, – that's yeah, the I mean, only Alec, spot. Alec Lindstrom can maybe plug and play, but yeah, I mean, it's not ideal. But then yeah. you look at the tight end position. We're three deep at tight end. Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot were both very, very good last year for Cowboys. And then you go draft uh, Luke Schumacher, who's also very, very talented. So, like, ton of depth at tight end position. And then you go to wide receiver. C.D. Lamb, Brandon Cooks, and Michael Gallup might be the best one, two, three in the NFL outside of Cincy. But I would say a healthy Michael Gallup is quite a bit better than a Tyler Boyd. And then Brandon Cooks and T. Higgins. I'd probably give a slight edge to T. Higgins, but it's not very big. And then Jamar Chase is a top three if, receiver compared I, I to C.D. Lamb being a top eight receiver. I think to anyone out there who's like raising raising an eyebrow at that, like the Brandon Cooks versus T. Higgins, I think that the edge for T. Higgins is mostly based on age. Yeah. And not, which is where you're talking about one season is a little different than you're talking about like into the future. Like Brandon Cooks for this season right How now. How does T. Higgins? Might be better than hey, at 25. 25? Yeah, Brandon Cook's 29. I, I was thinking uh, he Higgins is older than that. But, yeah, I mean. He's only 29? It feels like he's been in the league for a decade. Been traded probably for the most first-round picks out of anybody in NFL history. Probably. probably. But, yeah, Brandon Cooks, I mean, he's just consistently 1,000 yards, 85 catches, and eight touchdowns every year. Yeah, well, except last and year. Th- he, missed, he missed some time, sure. And he was on the Texans. I mean, but, he was I mean, pacing a thousand yards. Yeah, and uh, was he on the Rams Super Bowl team, or did he leave the year before? Uh, he left the year before. So Cooper Cup was hurt the year he was there. Where they got Stafford? Wait, did they yeah. get? Did they win? Did they win the Super Bowl the Stafford year Stafford won got the there? Super Bowl's first year there. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, this is the best offense he's ever been on, Barnum. Probably. I mean, I, he, he was on the, the Saints. He was drafted by the Saints. Yeah, but I don't know. I still think this offense is better than the, those later Drew Brees years. I don't know, because that was, what was that, 2017, 2016? I mean, that was. I mean, that was, that was noodle, that was noodle arm Drew Brees time. I don't know. I think like 2018 is when that started. Yeah, maybe. I'm trying to see if I go. Anyway, still, I mean, one of the best offenses ever played on. Yeah, and, yeah. The, the point stands, <laughs> and definitely the best uh, complement of talent around him that he's ever had. Uh, even if you want to say Drew Brees, give Drew Brees the edge over Dak. I mean, he's ever played with a better uh, one and three than supporting Lamb cast, and Gallup. Yeah. yeah, but I mean. One thing that scares shit out of me about this team is Mike McCarthy is an absolute moron. Um, and the offensive coordinator is a very, very questionable hire. But Dan Quinn with this defense, I mean, if nobody can score on us, I guess it doesn't matter how bad the offense is. But I don't see the offense being bad. Like, this is this seems almost Mike McCarthy-proof. And also, everybody that likes to shit on Mike McCarthy, I don't, I don't love the guy by any means. 
But him and Sean Payton are basically identical in coaching career. And everybody likes to act like Sean Payton, like God's greatest gift. And when everybody was saying that Cowboys were going to trade for Sean Payton, and I'm like, you're getting rid of Mike McCarthy for Mike McCarthy. They both won one Super Bowl with Hall of Fame quarterbacks and were consistently good year in and year out and always seemed to flounder at the end. So, yeah, I don't know. I think Sean Payton is quite a bit better than McCarthy, but you have good record. You have a really are, good argument. Their record is nearly identical. You make a really strong argument. I'm agreeing. You do. But I, I think that Payton just gets more out of West. And I so think Drew Brees, McCarthy so tends how, to get less out how much worse was Drew Brees than Aaron Rodgers? Because I would argue the Saints had much better roster for their tenure the same time McCarthy was at Green Bay. Because outside of two or three years at Green Bay, that roster was pretty trash. He had a better roster because he developed players who really were made in late round picks. That's my that that's that's my point. That I think he gets more. So that he, he develops so players. You're giving. Well. You're giving. And builds his the, offense or, or around does the those GM, players. Very well. Or does the GM just draft well? Well, now we're talking chicken. So, I mean, there's no way. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, it can go either way. But I personally think that Sean Payton has a lot to do with the process. Saying that. Maybe. But anyway, I mean, let's say they're here or there. I mean, I was just. That was more of a, a dig at Sean Payton since he likes to talk shit on everybody in the league. So Hey, I, I love it, man. Jab- it's fun. It's fun. Oh, I love it too. Payton's but I, I figure out I, I'll figure out though a jab back at him. I mean, it, not like the Jets are my team by any means, but I'm like, who are you to talk? I mean you Sean Payton's gonna show up at your doorstep tonight. <laughs> Sean Payton is like the absolute <laughs> definition of like overperforming and then under delivering when when it matters. But okay. year in, year out, they're better than everybody thinks. They go on like they would have they would have streaks, they would have run, they would be hot, and then uh just lay an egg in the first round of the playoffs, second round of the playoffs. Yeah. Hey, hard to beat Kirk Cousins. Unless you're Daniel Jones. That's true. That's very true. Now, one thing one thing I will I really I mean, I so anyone who follows my the stuff I put out there knows that I am very excited about Bozzy. Yeah. I mean, I, I loved this kid in the And I noticed going through all this division stuff today, there are two rookie centers starting in this division and a rookie guard on an, on the other team. That's a lot of rookies Mozzie Smith is going to go against. And Mozzie Smith is a rookie himself, so maybe I'm setting the bar too high. But I think Mozzie Smith is going to be fun going up against some rookie centers and rookie guards. Oh, yeah. And especially that Dan Quinn defense. I mean, he's going to have Chandler Parsons. <laughs> Imagine him out there. No, he's going to have Micah Parsons, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, and Mozzie Smith probably all playing every position on the defense. Yeah, I mean, it's. It's gonna be filthy. It's gonna be a like I mean, I then, I, I told then, you back in back in like March, I was like, you know who the Cowboys need to draft? Mozzie Smith, because having that guy who changes the math on the line of scrimmage for you, that he can stop the run and he's still a threat, be a, a to, to be a pass rusher, 
but you don't need to commit more resources to stopping the run because he can fill two gaps. Like, that strength is going to add to the cap. Oh, man. The Cowboys, for like a decade, have neglected mass up the middle. And it has driven me crazy. And they finally did it. They finally added mass up the middle, and I'm excited. And I I don't even like the Cowboys, but I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, you you look at that interior D-line with Mozzie Smith, Osa Digazui, Jonathan Hankins, and Neville Gallimore. It's a lot of beef up front. And that's a hell of a rotation. Well, I mean, I don't, even like, I don't know how much you watch Neville Gallimore. Gallimore are lighter guys. They're more like free tags, but Hankins and Mozzie, like, that's, that's I mean, Gallimore is every bit of like 315, 320 probably. I guess so. I actually, I... I you know, to to to, to take Hankins, Hankins I'm not familiar with his game. Oh, Hankins yeah. is a big boy, but Digazoo is yeah. light. Like he is. Oh he yeah, is but a, he's he he's a, a quick. Tech. He's a wrestler. He's yep. a wrestler. He's got good leverage. Yeah, a uh, uh, is listed on the on the depth chart at 280, um, and then Neville Gallimore is listed at 315. Yeah, and John Jonathan Hankins is listed at 320. And I don't know if that's true. He must have dropped some packs if that's true, and even then, I doubt it. Um, yeah. So, how underrated is Demarcus Lawrence? Uh, probably the, the most underrated, pure edge in the league because I wouldn't even put like he's not an elite, or he he's a pretty elite edge rusher, I guess. But I mean, his run stopping ability is up there with anybody. And he can go and get 10 sacks if you need him to. Um, I mean, outside of, like, the the back-to-back uh, years of franchising and, like, really deciding what we're going to do with this guy and then a couple injuries, like, he's been one of the more consistent, solid pieces on this defense for nearly a decade now. Um, ever since Dan Quinn got there, he's really just thrived, uh, especially in the in the run defense and then having Micah Parsons opposite of him now. I mean, I mean, you, you look at the two bookends on, on the defensive line with Micah Parsons and uh, Demarcus Lawrence accompanied by two guys like Stephon Gilmore and uh, Diggs. Diggs. Yeah. yeah. I almost called him Stephon Diggs. And I'm like, nah, that's not it. But yeah, it's insane, dude. And I, this is this is probably the most nervous I've ever been going into a season because I'm be- being like 100% unbiased when I say like they definitely have the best defensive talent in the league and might have the best top to bottom roster in the league and I just know I'm going to be vastly disappointed somehow. Yeah, I mean this this roster this might be the best roster top to bottom in the in the NFC if not best it's top two top three I mean it they're good even if you're not a Dak Prescott believer CeeDee Lamb Brandon Cooks Michael Gallup Tony Pollard that doesn't have to be great Dak has to be Dak yeah. for this team to be good and I mean Dak being Dak isn't that bad I mean it's Josh Allen and everybody if you put Kirk like Cousins Josh. on this roster, how would you feel? You know, like, I mean, 
Not to say yeah. Dak is Kirk Cousins, but it's like I, f- I feel like that's that that's like his bottom line. You know, he, he should be better, but he can just be Kirk Cousins. If you were to put Josh Allen on this roster, how would you feel? Oh, amazing! So th- that's how you should feel. No, I'm not there. Josh Allen is I'm Dak not Prescott. There. I'm just he not is. There. Do you take over for a second? Yeah. So the Cowboys, like we talked a little bit about depth here. Like, let's really dig into this cornerback depth. Like, Trayvon Diggs and Stephon Gilmore on the outside. Gilmore last year, sure, he's, he's older. You know, he's not the guy he was. But right now, with the Cowboys, he's been asked to be cornerback two. Guy who still played 80% of the snaps last year. And two interceptions. And I'm looking at his stats. It's green across. 0.98 yards per coverage snap. That was one of the better in the league. Like, this guy can still play, and even if he does take a step back, he's not even asked to be cornerback one here in this system, especially in, in Dan Quinn's defense, which is probably going to be more cover three heavy. It's You're probably not asking this guy to be a man cover corner. You're asking him to play it to play a deep third, which at a higher age, you're probably more able to do. And then behind him, and playing in the slot, you got Deron Bland, guy who had five interceptions last year as a rookie. Like, some of his advanced stats aren't great, but again, he's a rookie. He was a rookie cornerback last year. He should get better, and he was an above-average player already. I mean, and then Jordan Lewis is a guy behind them who has starting experience. Kelvin Joseph has played some snaps, has had a hard time staying out of trouble Kelvin as Joseph. well. Kelvin Joseph won't probably see the field much. No, but he's I'll, there. I'm talking depth. Like, yeah, yeah, no. And I would, Israel, I would, say, I would, yeah, I would say you're you'd be looking more Nashawn Wright than Kelvin Joseph. Yeah. Question for deep. you: I realized that this might be the case while looking at the, looking up all, all all the information I could on the Cowboys. Is Israel Mukuamu is a safety now? Oh uh, yes. Uh, okay. Nickel safety, uh, plug and play DB like because I I mean he was when I so I pulled up his stats. And they were really good at cornerback. Like, yeah. I'm very limited snaps. He only played 16% of snaps last year, but they were really nice. And then I yeah. heard that he might have been a safety. And it's like, okay, well, that kind of changes. His numbers were still good. But, like, well, his numbers were actually still really good for safety. But it changes in my head a little that, like, you know, putting it up at corner on 16% of the snaps versus safety on 16% of the snaps are different things because safety is a little yeah. more difficult to like what is your like can we really charge this to you or not but like yeah he, i love this dude in the a, draft he is a pterodactyl he has like a seven foot wingspan and yeah. it's i mean he's he's, he's six five at db he's yeah. uh most of the time he would be used in like nickel situations where kind of playing safety but more just like guarding tight end okay kind of like a or no, that's probably not like a star position save and see. Is it? Yeah. Kinda like a like a hybrid linebacker type guy who can cover, who can tackle, who can run. Who is it is he everything. almost playing like a deep middle in a Tampa two kind of thing? No, I would say more of a middle or like a, a inside third, like a outside linebacker almost. Saying, so, but so in like coverage, situation. like a robber, like 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 cover yeah. three robber kind of. Role. Yeah, basically. That, that's probably because Dan Quinn's at cover three school. But um, yeah. 
Man, I mean, this this defense is just filthy. Yeah, it I, really is, and I don't know what to do with it. It's just they're really damn good. They yeah, then you look a at the division linebacker, but like who does? Yeah, and I mean even at, even at linebacker, Leighton Vanderash played incredibly well last year. Yeah, definitely, definitely came back into his own. Damon Clark's not bad, um, and then you look at Jabril Cox, who a uh, second or third round pick a couple Four. years ago. Fourth, uh, starting to come to his own. Play, he's getting better every year. Um, I think he's going into year three now. He didn't really play much last year. But, but um, yeah, then DeMarvian Overshone, who played more of a, a pass rushing linebacker in college, but is supposed to play more of a actual off-the-ball linebacker on this Basically, he's he's just a new toy for Dan Quinn. Like, yeah. Overshone, like, he, he's versatile and he's an athlete. Like, I don't know what, how they're going to use him, but they're going to find a way to Yeah, and, I mean, we're definitely investing in this defense, too. I mean, you look at how talented the offense is, then you look at the draft, and it's like Mozzie Smith, Schumacher, Overshone, and an edge in Fajoko. So, it's like... Yeah. And, I mean, I like the tackle they got in Nassim Richards, too, in, what is that, the fifth round? Something like yeah. that. And then, I mean, I don't, I don't hate Jalen Brooks, uh... I don't like the Deuce Vaughn pick. I would have rather seen a Chase Brown or somebody of of that nature around that time. But I mean, it was but a they cool did it story. For the brand. Yeah, could have probably waited. A, it might, might have been undrafted, <laughs> honestly. But I mean, look, the dude's five five, one hundred and sixty pounds. Like, I don't know how. Like, if you can't touch him, you can't tackle him. I guess. But I mean, he's. He's a he's a toy at most, and then you look at that that running back room with Tony Pollard, Malik Davis. We don't really know what we have with him. And then Rojo, who's very very old at this point, or I feel like he's old. Is he old? No, he's only twenty five. I don't think that's he's crazy. that old. Yeah, he's only twenty five. Yeah. That's that's insane. He's just kind of he fell out of favor in Tampa, and then just kind of yeah. fell off the face of the earth. So I mean, who knows what you have? That makes me feel a little bit better that he's only twenty five. But I'm really hoping that we can figure out a way to sign Zeke or. Uh, even uh, maybe go get a Leonard Fournette or something like that. Yeah, depth hey, at running. Lenny. Yeah, depth at running back and uh, O line are really the my two biggest causes for concern here. But I mean, outside of that, very like, very thin at wide receiver depth. But when you got three three deep like this, I don't worry too much about it. Like because if your number one goes down, you still have two three who can kind of step into one two. And yeah, Jalen like Tolbert was Jalen Tolbert was a pretty high pick last year, um, and then Kevonta Turpin's slowly but surely started to play a little bit better. And then Simon Fahoko, who a lot of people in Dallas had a lot of hope for for a while, really hasn't developed into anything. But he can't I mean, t- you're just hope- he's very uh, he, he lacks agility. Like he yeah. his forty looks nice and like. He, his highlights are cool, but he can't break very well on, on routes. At least in the combine, I remember looking at him, and it was like, oh, well, that's why he's going to fall in the draft. He doesn't turn very well. Yeah, I was honestly thinking to myself uh, when Joe Burrow went down, if uh, if he had a significant injury for where he was out for a while, if it'd be worth trading for a T. Higgins on a uh, basically a rental deal because he'll be a free agent at the end of the year. And I would assume if if Burrow were to miss the season, they would move him immediately. Yeah, I mean, 
you'd have to give a first plus. Yeah, but <laughs> if you if you if you sign him long term, I mean, yeah, you, 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 get, you still got the yeah, you still got the CD you still got the CD contract coming up though. But yeah. I mean, if CD was locked in and Brand, I think Brandon Cook did it, he sign an extension? I can't remember. But, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I was just just the thought of T Higgins oh, with you said, all this be incredible. You said that you really like Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot, and I know very yeah. little about them other than they combined for 311 yards last year. What do you like about them? Uh, they both block well, and they both made a bunch of like big time catches. Um, they most of the time when they were throwing the ball, Dalton Schultz was getting it. Uh, but they both just showed up in big moments throughout the entire yeah. year. Like, I honestly am shocked that they had 311 yards combined because oh, if they you would have asked me to guess, combined, like they, they definitely, how many touchdowns did four combined. So they did work. Yeah. They got chances, but yeah, if you would have asked me what their combined, uh, yards were last year, I would have said 600 plus. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> Hendershot. He, he had a first down on over 70% of catches. Like, so he, it was. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like every time either one of them caught the ball, it was in a big time moment. And so Ferguson like, had eight yards after the catch per, per reception. So, like, yeah. uh, there was definitely some stuff. Barry Alvarez, like here. Uh, yeah. Grandson. And, and I love Every time you say Jake Ferguson. Barry Alvarez. All right. Yeah. Jake Ferguson, Barry Alvarez is that. A grandson. Ooh, yeah. Barry tongue-tied there uh and i loved luke schoonmaker in the draft i think he's dealing with some injuries um coming out of college and it's like it's kind of played him early going in camp here and so who knows when he'll actually you know if he's gonna take on that starting role this year especially as a rookie tight end like rookie tight ends are notoriously slow starters but yeah i, I mean, don't I, expect him to i don't expect too much out of him but i'm excited to see uh dalton schultz gone because i felt like a lot of his targets were kind of forced. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what he does in that Houston offense for sure. But we didn't need him. Yeah. And, I think uh, fine. Yeah. I'm excited to see what, what these guys can do. And I don't know if they're going to play a rotation or if one of them is going to get the majority of snaps. I haven't really heard. But yeah. I mean, I think. I think it's very solid um, two guys for you at the tight end position with three really good wide receivers, and they both block well, too. So Yeah, when you got the, that good of wide – like, look at Cincy. When you got that good of wide receivers, you can just sign Hayden Hurst and be like, there, that's our tight end. You know, or C.J. Ozoma can have a career year that gets in paid a big contract by the Jets, you know, like that. Yeah. That's what happens Somebody when you have that good of receivers, your tight end – like required level of talent becomes lower because the defense is gonna have to to sag off of some, and they're probably yeah. gonna sag off the tight end. Yeah, and I mean, looking at this team, some of the like off off season acquisitions. Like, I don't feel like Cowboys get enough credit for going out and getting Brandon Cook. Like we talked about him a little bit earlier, but outside of Mike Evans, yeah. It's funny you say that because I, I forgot to put him in the additions column here. Oh, did you? It's blurry. <laughs> I can't even. I can't read it. But um, yeah. I mean, he outside of Mike Evans, he's probably been more, more one of the more models of consistency at the wide receiver position in the NFL. 
And then I felt like when they signed Stefan Gilmore, like nobody talked about it. Like the dude was, I think it, that, he was I think that's a year or two years ago. How old is he now? Twenty nine. Yeah, so so twenty like approaching thirty is when the corner. Oh, thirty ten. He's old to fall off. Yeah, so he's up there. But, but he won the. I mean, won it's like I was talking thirty. That's what I was talking about when he stepped away. It's like he's going to be playing a cover three scheme that doesn't need to blitz a lot. So they're not going to be at, leaving him on island man coverage that often. He's playing the deep third. I, I kind of like the situation for Gilmore, even if he's losing. Stuff. It's like Pat. Yeah and, yeah. and then when you look at it in like totality, when you look at the, the talent around him too, it's playing, playing that, the uh, either deep three or even a man zone game. It's like, that's, I mean, that's basically all, um, When was the word I'm looking for? When, when you don't have, need to be an athlete, basically. Uh, <laughs> oh, instinct. Not instinct, but that yeah. Uh, when it, have you practiced something a lot? What, what word am I looking for here? Muscle memory. Basically, yeah. Let's call it that. It's not the <laughs> word, but um, technique. There we go. Uh, technique gets you okay. a long way in a in a defense like that to where. If, if you hone your craft and have great technique, like you don't have to be the best athlete. If if you're smart and you know how to play the position, that's kind of what I was trying to say. Yeah, I got you. You want to jump to the schedule? Yeah, we can jump to the schedule here. So starting out with the New York Giants, then the New York Jets, Arizona Cardinals, New England Patriots. Um, I think this is a three and one start for the Cowboys. I don't know. I think the loss is either at Giants or Jets the first two weeks, but I think they take care of business at, at Arizona and the New England as well. Um, Arizona without Kyler Murray, um, probably one of the worst teams in the NFL. For for being honest, so that might be the loss. They might they might win at Giants and Jets and lose at Arizona and beat New England. If we're being honest, but I think it's three one start for the boys here. I'll give him the Giants. Going to call the Jets toss up. Give him Arizona. I'll give him three one. Yep. Then uh, we'll do San Francisco, LA by LA Rams, Philly. I don't think we beat San Francisco. We never beat San Francisco, so I'll say San Francisco's a loss. I think we beat the Chargers. We handled them pretty well last year, and we got better. And I don't think they got better. Um. So give me the Chargers win. Uh, I'll give me the Rams win. And if Dak's healthy, we beat Philly because Dak doesn't lose to Philly. Yeah, I'm not giving him San Fran because it's in San Fran. Um, I'd call it a toss-up in Dallas, but I just think tough place to play, tough team. Uh, yeah. I'll give, I, I'm going to give him a toss-up against the Los Angeles Super Chargers, win against the Rams, toss-up at Philly. Yeah, if Dak if Dak starts, we're we're beating Philly. Dak doesn't lose to Philly. I think he's lost okay. to Philly one time his entire career. I'll take your word for it. I could be wrong about that. I just feel like that's true. Yeah. And then next here we got the New York Football Giants, and they're heading to Carolina. And then Thursday night football against Washington. Thursday night football against Seattle. 
I'm to me, getting... this is the scariest part of the schedule. You have four teams that are all extremely frisky. Talented teams that you're probably better than. But this is like the dog days of the schedule here, in my opinion. Because I, f- I feel like when you're a team as talented as the Cowboys, this is a stretch where you're going to be the better team in all four games. But all four of them can beat you if you don't show up. I'm going to give them... Give them the first. We should team. go for Giants. Give them Panthers. Then I'm calling Washington, Seattle toss-ups. They'll win one, lose one. Yeah, I mean it should be four and zero, but um, but it's the NFL. Four yeah, it is the NFL. Really. So, but after that, we have Philly, Buffalo, Miami, Detroit, Washington, and that Philly, Buffalo, Miami, Detroit might be the hardest four-game stretch anybody has in the league all year. I'm giving them. I'll give them two I'm and giving two. Them I Philly. I'm, I'm giving Philly. I'm not. I'm not picking which ones. I'm saying that's two and two. With uh, we'll, we'll give them a win at Washington at the end of the year. So I'll say three and two to finish it out. I could see them beating Philly, beating Buffalo, losing to Miami, Detroit. I could see them losing, losing, winning, winning, losing, winning, winning, losing. Like. <laughs> I haven't beaten Philly, Detroit, and Washington. Yeah. This is the Buffalo, Miami. Yep. Yep. I'm kind of right there with you. I, I think very, very tough schedule. Um, somehow this is only the 15th strength of schedule in the league. Uh, I, I think the NFC beast is getting quite disrespected. Giants have a really good roster. Philly's roster supposedly is great. And then I think Washington's very underrated. So... I think I think this strength of schedule at the end of the year is going to be a lot higher than fifteen. Yeah, this is based on Vegas odds for others. Yeah, teams. yeah, no, no. So, um, I got him at eleven and a half wins. I think nine and a half is just flat out wrong. Yeah. Um, I'm taking him to win the division and I'm sprinkling the NFC champs. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll sprinkle Super Bowl. I do it every year anyway. So yeah, this might this might, is, well. might be the, this might be the first year I actually felt confident in it though yeah or, i mean i as I confident as you can be at, at plus i really think you should this is the, this is the best cowboys roster i've seen with that yeah uh, it's the best cowboys roster since 2014 far none um and 2014 didn't have half the defense this had yeah I but mean, this team doesn't have tony romo it's not He's, he works for cbs now is is Mike McCarthy better than Jason Garrett, though? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You got a little bit of edge there. So let's just hope that Tony Pollard doesn't fumble in the late fourth quarter against Green Bay and give the game away. And then everybody can talk about the desk catch for the rest of forever when DeMarco Murray lost the game. Forever. We're still talking. Yeah. All right. But- Great team. Best roster in the league. Best roster in the division. Uh, should be the best team in the division, if we're, if I'm being honest. Um, okay, but, Eagles um, won it last year. No team has repeated since, what, 2005? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We going Eagles I, next? I, I really like the division. Oh, we're going Eagles. All right. Dirty Birds. All right, Mr. Uh, Philadelphian. The brand new member of the Bang Bang Bird Gang. 
I don't know that you what can you, call me a member of the Bird Gang, but what do you think about your squad this year? I'll be neutral to him. Um, I mean, it's still a squad. I, this running back room is stacked with talent. Who stays healthy is another question. I mean, Rashad Penny and DeAndre Swift are monsters, but they've never really saved. Kenneth Gainwell put up some nice stats last year from a efficiency standpoint. So you like him as depth there. You like you you always always like Boston Scott. I Boston Scott's been one of my favorites since he won me fantasy years ago. But and then they also added Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks, which I, I, I they got a lot of depth in this running back room. I don't know who's gonna end up sticking because you're not gonna carry six running backs in this season. But they're gonna have talent. It's just wet, who's yeah. healthy. If DeAndre Swift stays healthy, this this is filthy. Um, yeah, we're at, like I think the strength of this team it begins and ends with that offensive line. Yeah, um, I mean Travis Kelsey right in the middle, uh, Lane Johnson right tackle, Ramalata at left tackle, Dickerson at left guard. I mean they, they got a squad, but I mean. Kelsey and Johnson are both getting up there in age now. I mean, Kelsey so, is fighting with retirement. And... I don't worry about Kelsey just because you've got Cam Jurgen sitting on the bench ready to take him whenever he needs to. That's uh, like, it's going to be a drop off because Cam Jurgens will not instantly be anywhere close to Jason. Kelsey. Yeah. But behind Lane Johnson, he you got be, Jack. Driscoll he could be better than Dennis Travis Kelsey, Kelsey at center, though. Oh, he might be. He definitely might because he, <laughs> he weighs enough to play the position. Um, but behind Lane Johnson, you have Jack Driscoll and Dennis Kelly. I'm nowhere near as as confident. as confident in those guys as I am Cam Jurgens to step in and play at an NFL level. Um, which is why Lane Johnson is really the thing that worries me on this O line and just the interior depth. Yeah. You don't have much behind Kelsey Dickerson, and you're starting a rookie at right guard. If any one of those three guys goes down on the inside, outside of center, so, so if either of your guards go down, I'm not sure if Durgens can play guard. You still have Suo Opeta on the roster, who played some two years ago decently, but like I'm not that confident in it. So the depth here on the O-line does concern me yeah. at guard and right tackle. Yeah. And then, I mean, you look at their skill positions here. You got Devonta Smith. Some of the quickest feet uh, in the NFL. Uh, A.J. Brown. Everybody knows what A.J. Brown did last year. Dallas Goddard. Supposed to be a cowboy. And last second, Philly traded in front of us and got him. And then, uh, who's, who's their third receiver? Is it Zacchaeus? Quez Watkins. And, well, Quez yeah. Watkins. Zacchaeus uh, is listed as the starter for three right now. It's him or Quez Watkins. Either one yeah. is a solid wide receiver three in the NFL. Yeah. Worried about them having play snaps. Yeah, so I've watched a lot of Jalen Hurts in my life. Uh, obviously, a big college football fan. Watched him a lot at Alabama. Watched him a lot at OU. Uh, watched him a lot now. He's on Philly, being in the division. And I will say, last year, he performed better than I ever thought he could. But, I mean, everything went perfect for him. And I'm, I've always liked Jalen Hurts. And... It kills me that I like Jalen Hurts as a Phillies quarterback, but everything was perfect last year. That doesn't happen in the NFL. I'm just curious to see if that success 
will continue if if and when he hits adversity. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not as, like, adversity to him or like, like, I'm not worried about the way that he handles it or anything like that. No, I'm just no, no, worried no. that I, I think the he, roster's propping him up higher than him. Yeah, I mean, you you put any above average quarterback that can run in that system last year, and they're going to be an MVP kid. Yeah. And I mean, right. Justin Fields probably wins MVP in that system last year and probably the Super Bowl. Don't get me excited. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, but also, I mean, this team can afford for some stuff to go wrong. It just can't be at the wrong spots, you know? Or at the wrong like, time. Yeah. Like, you, I, I think you can afford to even take an A.J. Brown or Devonta Smith injury, not both, but like our Dallas Goddard injury, say, we saw them deal with it last year just fine. But like Lane Johnson be- going down or... Dickerson going down, I think, could really hurt. Yeah. I would say you you could probably survive a Devonta Smith injury. I don't know if you can survive an A.J. Brown injury and have the production you had last year. I, I'm oh, not yeah, saying no. you're going to fall apart, but I'm saying so, yeah. I think A.J. Brown's much, much, much more important to that offense than Devonta Smith. Yeah. I think so, too, but I, I think I think they're both really important. I was talking more weather this time. Oh, yeah. Then, then oh, yeah, yeah. keep it up. But I mean, honestly, all they might have to do is weather the storm, and as long as they can get their guys back by the playoffs, yeah, they're, they're pretty scary. Look, um, on yeah, the defense, no, they are. Side, they also, also, we're judging this team on last year. I mean, they have a ton of talent everywhere, obviously, but probably the best team they played all year in the regular season last year was Dallas. One of the times they played Dallas. Jack didn't play. The other time they played Dallas, Jalen Hurts didn't play. Like, and then they they hey, but they Gardner performed Minshew fantastic. gave them hell though. Gardner Minshew gave the boys hell. Let's start with Cooper Rush. Oh, I Cooper Rush had a seventeen ten lead. Cooper Rush them. didn't give him hell. I'm just <laughs> saying, go Gardner Minshew, man. Yeah, yeah, smashed his hand in college for a redshirt year. Um, but then you look at their road to the Super Bowl. They, they get the Giants, who probably weren't, like, I don't, I think if Philly looked at the entire slate of teams in the playoffs, and they're like, who can we get after our first round bye? Give me the Giants 10 times out of 10. They got that. And then they play a San Francisco team without a quarterback. And then they play lights out the first 20 minutes of the Super Bowl. And then Patrick Mahomes goes and does what Patrick Mahomes does. But, I mean, And they, Andrew Wiley got in a slap fight. Yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, their their schedule last year has to historically be one of the weakest schedules in NFL history. I mean, it was, yeah, it was very favorable. But I mean, everybody in the NFC East was, but they also had a, a third-place schedule, I believe. Yeah, I think so on top of that and like I said they split with Dallas and one of the times Dak didn't play one of the times Jalen Hurts didn't play that's basically a wash so that basically takes you from 17 games to 15 games and then Washington was a dumpster fire that's two 
Giants were they ever performed, but <laughs> that's not act like they're world beaters or anything. And then I, I don't even I can't even think off the top of my head, but yeah, it just seemed like they they every yeah. everything went perfectly for them last year. I'm not saying they're not a good team, but to to act like they're the end all be all class of this division, I, I think people better pump their brakes. Well, and I think another thing to realize here is this team lost their offensive coordinator. He's the head coach of the Colts now. They lost their defensive coordinator. He's the head coach of the Cardinals now. And they lost an important defensive assistant, Vic Fangio, who is now the Miami Dolphins defensive coordinator. And they lost a defensive, I think it was the linebacker coach, who uh, went with Gannon to Arizona to be his D.C. So that is four important coaches on your staff that you have to replace in, in the offseason. On short notice, like, you, you couldn't even hire these guys until after the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, and it, it, we... it kind of makes it tough. Could this be an Ed Ogeron situation where Ed Ogeron got credited so much for that LSU victory? And then you look at his coaching staff, and that might have been one of the most stat coaching staffs in college football history. I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and say, I mean, Nick Sariani put the staff together just like Coach O did. But at the same time, like are we sure Nick Sariani's a good coach? He's a weird guy. He's a little different, but I mean I I I I'm giving him benefit of the doubt right now that it that he is more of the motor than anything there that that he is what makes it go and I, i'm not too worried about that yeah that that it's more immediate impact than long-term impact i think that's my worry with, with, the, yeah. with the, the uh the turnover in the coaching staff i, I don't think it's I think long term, you're still Sirianni's still your guy, like, and he's gonna get it right. It's just you're well, gonna have short term impacts no matter. They what. said the same thing about Doug Peterson and Camden, like, after one bad season. So. Yeah, and they probably shouldn't. But hey, they got back to the Super Bowl pretty quick after. So yeah. <laughs> what do I know? They're well, when you have one of the best men just know yeah. that has like a crystal ball. I, was about, I don't. I was know. about to say when you have one of the best GMs in the league, I guess it doesn't matter who coach. Yeah, this he, dude he got Jalen Carter, yeah. Nolan Smith, Kelly Ringo, who like he got Ringo in the fourth round, which is great value. Like great value. In the I, second round, I, first I, round, I'm questioning, but in the fourth yeah, round, I'll, it's outstanding. I'll, yeah, I was pounding like the Kelly Ringo um, overrated drum, like going into the draft the whole time. But then, like, whenever he dropped to the third, I was like yelling at the screen for Cowboys to pick him because I was yeah. like, he's he's not a top fifty guy. But I mean, if he drops late second, early third, I was like, oh, like you got to go get this guy. Like, he's definitely in that range. And then he just kept dropping and dropping. Of course, Philly gets him. But then they also get Jalen Carter, who is arguably the best player in the draft. Like, it's stupid. And I think they still have two more first round picks next year. It's it's witchcraft. It's pure witchcraft. Now, their defense does need a little, they, they need to develop some of these guys because you lose your Von Hargrave, you lose your two starting linebackers, you lose two safeties. Like, yeah, and I love N'Kobe Dean coming out of, I mean, you can basically say coming out of Georgia for anybody on this defense. 
But that neck injury was nothing to slouch about. I was honestly curious to see if we would ever even see him play in the league, and now he's going to take over a starting job after not playing basic. Did he play at all last year? No. So, yeah, don't know what to expect there, but, I mean, and then uh, who is that? That DT they uh, they got Jordan out of Davis. Georgia last year. Yeah, Jordan Davis. Apparently, I've heard that he has some conditioning issues, which doesn't surprise me with a guy that big. He played. But, he did play well last year when he played. He well, I'm play. just no. I, this off season, he's been having. Yeah, I, I got you. Yeah, but I mean, when you're that big, I mean, I think he only played. Uh, maybe half the snaps on defense. Not I mean, even heavy rotation. Yeah, 20% not including, I don't think that includes playoffs, but I'm not sure on that. But then James Bradbury played out of his mind last year. I don't know if we can really expect the same thing out of him. James Bradbury's been doing that every year, man. I told told everyone last year when we talked about the Eagles, James Bradbury's cornerback one on this team. He's better than Darius Slay, and it's time for people to recognize this. And... I mean, he's he's like 30, 31. He had one bad year with New York on a team that had no talent around him at all. He put it all on a cornerback like that. The numbers aren't going to be pretty. I don't care who the cornerback is. I think he's 20. I think he's 30. Um, I could be wrong on that, but I thought he was. I was thinking he was like 27. Yeah, no. So, I mean, there is a chance for an athletic drop-off, but, like, I still – Bradbury still won. Like when I, I think one of the most underrated corners. Yeah. Well, I thought he played great last year. Don't get me wrong. I just thought he played over his head a little bit. But maybe that's just who he is. And then hey, when you're on defense that talented, a really good quarterback becomes a great cornerback. You know. And Darius Slay is probably still just living off of his name being Big Play Slay at this point in his career. I mean, he's good. He's all right. Hey, he's like, he's like a, a pro a Pro Bowl caliber player. I just think Bradbury's better. Everybody's a Pro Bowl caliber player. Mr. Trubisky made a Pro Bowl. Well, no. I'm not really. I don't count alternates. Alternates don't count. Because they're, they're in the Pro Bowl. Yeah, but they're, they're, they have a little asterisk next to their name for a reason. All right. Well, let's, let's go look at the schedule of your Philadelphia Eagle team. He was hometown team. All right, so you look at sure. the strength of schedule, 20th in the league. Um, and then you look at their opening slate, New England, Minnesota, Tampa Bay, Washington. Absolutely cakewalk of a, a start of a schedule here. Minnesota is probably your toughest team. But New England doesn't look to be very good. Tampa Bay looks to be the worst they've been in a long time. Maybe a Baker scoring is a Baker to be worried about. I'm hoping that's the case, but we will see. And then you have... A Washington team who doesn't know who their quarterback is, but they got rid of Dan Snyder, so they might have a fire lit under their ass. But I think this is a 4 0 start for them. Four. Yeah. I'm with you there. And then, and then after that, you have Rams. God, they're just fucking easy again. Rams, Jets, Miami, Washington. It gets brutal down the stretch. Eight no, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm a. I'm not Jets. Getting, I could I could see a drop in the Jets school. game. I'm giving a toss up on Jets and Miami. Yeah. Then yeah, Washington and Dallas I I, bye. 
Give him a toss up on Dallas too. I think they lose that Dallas game before the bye. But uh, oh no, I'm just Washington. keeping consistent with what I had said earlier. You have Washington, Dallas, Kansas City, Buffalo. This could be a one and three stretch for them, but that still puts them at what nine and four at this point. Um, they got one and three here. I've only got one loss. So nine and three, or nine and four. Yeah. Well, so I'm gonna give them. They'll win one of Casey Buffalo's game. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I can see them going 0 4 up there, too. Oh, don't get me wrong. Because I definitely think they lose. Yeah, I've got Dallas as a toss up. I think they lose at the link to Dallas. They have to buy. They have to go to Kansas City. I think that's a loss. And then after going to Kansas City, you have Buffalo coming to the link. I think that's a loss. Uh, I, I could see him be winning that San Fran game, actually. But then... I just think San Fran's going to have their, their pants on fire for that game. Yeah, I mean, but are they going to have a quarterback at the real They'll be prepared this time. They have five on the roster right now. Yeah. Trey, Lan- Trey Lance may be cut. <laughs> like, from everything I've heard, like, they want to keep three guys I think and they like Darnold um, Purdy and their other guy a lot better than Lance this was like they're either going to keep four quarterbacks on the roster or cut Lance interesting yeah but, I'll trade for Lance if it don't cost much yeah six round pick maybe uh, then you have Dallas at Dallas at Seattle at or New York coming to you Arizona coming to you, and then Giants again. I, I think they lose both to Dallas, and that's not me being a Dallas fan. I think they just catch them at two really bad points in the season where Dallas is going to be hungry for wins, and Philadelphia is already going to probably be sitting at double-digit wins at this point. Um, So, I think both those games fall in favor of Dallas. And then at Seattle, Seattle's a hard place to play, but I don't have a whole lot of faith in Geno. But, I mean, Pete Carroll, if he's done nothing else, has proven he's one of the top coaches in the NFL at this point. I don't think anybody can look at that performance from last year and not say Pete Carroll's not one of the best coaches in the league. So, they're going to be ready for that game. So, maybe a toss-up at Seattle. Then I think they beat New York. I think they beat Arizona. And I think they're sitting at 11 to 12 wins going into week 17, 18, whatever the last I'm giving them 12 wins. I think them and Dallas are going to be probably... 11. I think they're- 12, or it could be... I could see it going... It, it, it Like, 11 or 12, depending on that last game, if they're saving guys or not. I think, I think it's going to be Dallas and Philly competing for the division, and they're also going to be competing for the number one overall seed. Yep. So where whoever doesn't win the division... Is going to have the be- second best record in the NFC. Yeah. Have to go play on the road. Yeah, I see that. So that week 17 game will matter at that there. Yeah, I think it will. Case. Yeah. I think it will. All right. So what are you betting? If I'm looking at this team, uh, 
I think the best value here, honestly, would be under 11 and a half. 11 and a half is a lot, a lot of wins, and uh, it, it only takes a couple of things to go wrong here. Uh, I'm not taking minus 110 to win the division, plus 320 to win the NFC. Like, I don't see great value in either one of those. Uh, plus 750 for the Super Bowl. I think the Chiefs are plus 650. I think the Bills are in the plus 700s as well. I think there's just a lot of other teams with better value than that, so I wouldn't really touch that either yeah so i think the best value here uh assuming it's close to even money would be the under not thinking that i not saying that i think they will go under but i mean it's hard to get to 12 yeah. it's either that or mc champs for me and at plus 320 it's a tough buy yeah so i mean i think I mean, just looking strictly value uh you look at a team that has the age of some of the most important positions on the field and just how lucky they got last year. Like a lot of things just broke their way. Not necessarily on their team, but like some of their matchups and stuff. Like some of the people they didn't have to face. Like, um, yeah. I mean, it's hard to win twelve games. So, I mean, the under. Yeah. All right. You ready for the commies? Yeah, the Washington Football Skins. Um. Probably the most underrated roster in the NFL outside of quarterback. Yeah, and O line. I hate their their O line really scares me. But like, yeah, yeah, their receiver core, their running back room, their defense. I mean, they're stacked everywhere else. Yeah, and I think their offensive line is going to get a little bit better this year. And Sam Howell had a lot of juice the year before he got drafted. Obviously, you got to be pretty good to be drafted in the NFL at quarterback. He would have been a first-round pick if he would have came out the year before. I was listening to something about him today that was talking about, like, his senior year, they completely changed the offense on him. I'm not sure if that's when Mac Brown came to North Carolina or not, but it, it, it just it, it wiped it into an RPO-heavy team that was really just not what he was excelling to. Matt Brown was already there, but uh, they hired a new offensive coordinator and okay. completely shit tanked the North Carolina season that year. Bet on him a lot that year. Very, very disappointed. But Sam Howell has a ton, a ton of talent. I mean, if they can get the most out of it, like quarterback's so weird because you, you, a lot of guys like you can you can go through so many backups in the league and be like, why aren't you good? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like you should be good. Why aren't you good? <laughs> like, do something, bro. It's like that meme with like the stick, or like the, the <laughs> yeah the dude holding the stick. He was like, "Why don't you yeah. do something?" Yeah, do something. Yeah, but I mean, he Sam Howell's another one of these guys. Like, I also love Sam Darnold in that San Fran offense. I, I think if he gets a shot, he's gonna freaking excel in that offense. But we're not talking about the 49ers. Um, Sam Howell in this offense. I mean, yeah. I mean, if if the coaching's right. And he can play at a top 20 level at quarterback. This team is going to piss a lot of people off. (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. I mean, they're going to be feisty all year with a defense like this. Their offense, I mean, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel at receiver is nothing to scoff at. And then you got Antonio Gibson, who was a heck? Uh, I mean, he was he yeah, played the little Brian wide receiver Robinson. in college, so a heck of a receiving back. Plus Brian Robinson, 
who really came on strong down the stretch last year, like that is some really good skill possession per skill position personnel. Um, my concern is they did not do enough along the O line to really help. Like Leno's fine. Leno's a fine player. I was like, Cosme's all right. Cosme's all right. You're right. Ricky Stromberg, I loved him in the draft. I think he's going to be a really good center in the NFL, but he's a rookie center. Yeah. And, uh, and I think, Andrew, I Wiley, think Andrew Wiley can get better. I don't know if he can get better on a worse O line, though. Like, I think he's, yeah. you're asking him to ink to be an anchor on this O line in a way. And I'm not sure that's I, what he is. Um, I love and then, that. I love the corner they took out of uh, Mississippi State. Uh, I can't remember his name, and I can't read it on the graphic. It's kind of Manual Forbes. Manual Forbes. Uh, but I don't love him on this defense. I loved a lot of guys in the draft that I didn't love where they actually landed. Oh, you see, I disagree. But, I, I love him in this defense. Oh, do you? Yeah. I mean, he's – well, so they're not going to ask him to press, to press man a lot. They're going to ask him to play off. Yeah, I mean, if that's the case, I, I thought I I thought they were going to play more of a a man coverage, and that's why I didn't like it. But um, I think they were forced to play more of a man coverage last year, and I, I don't think it's what they want. I think you're going to ask yeah, St. Louis to play in the nickel and, and play more man. Forbes can like you can play you can play more uh, quarter half stuff where like Forbes is the is, is further off and Fuller is right on the line. Like I, I think that they're going to get more. Into- yeah, so I mean, if they can if they can manage to keep him out of man situations, I think they'll be all right. But I mean, you look at the division. I mean, he can't man he he can't man up with AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, Brandon Cooks, or CD Lamb. Um, so it's gonna be a tough going if that's the case. But mm-hmm. if if they're playing off and uh, playing more of like a, a too high zone or something, or a man, even a man zone where he's got some help from the safety, if he is playing man. I think he'll be all right, but I, I, I think you're going to see more more split field concepts of like Forbes is playing either off man or a zone concept off line of scrimmage. He's not being asked to chuck guys at the line of scrimmage, and you might see Fuller or St. Juice on the other side playing more on the line of scrimmage, pressing maybe a, a, a half field. So on Fuller's side, you're getting man. On Forbes' side, you're getting zone stuff like that I think could get really interesting with where where they're taking like if that, that, maybe they bring in more quarters some more more I mean you can you can make quarters and cover three into essentially man coverage and when they drafted Jartavius Martin I thought it made it really interesting because you might almost see I, I'm just I have this thought in my brain of like are they gonna try to do some stuff where like Forbes is almost playing playing like cloud coverage at times, and Martin might be playing more man from a safety alignment or from a linebacker alignment, and really just start playing with the quarterback's eyes like that. Like I, I think I think that they might have some really interesting stuff in store because they have more defensive backs that should be starting than they can start. So yeah. I think they're going to get really interesting. On- what I'm interested to see is if Chase Young can come back and be Chase Young because outside of the flash that he made, I think it was his rookie year, and then he had the injury. I mean, he's been very, yeah, very like, lackluster. 
I think he has something like eight career sacks or 11 career sacks. Like it's, I think it's six of those came like in this first 10 games or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I hope he gets right because he's, he's so talented, but like hasn't, hasn't happened since those first 10 games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Then you look at the rest of the line, Deron Payne, Josh, or (laughs) uh, Jonathan Allen. Um, I mean, they, they got some studs on this defensive line. This um, was one of the best defense in the NFL last year. I don't think they? people realize that. Yeah, they were I number seven were in points allowed, good. number four in yards, number they five in EPA for play, number one but in success rate. Like, I mean, they, they were really freaking good. This team went eight, eight, and one, and they had no offense to speak of. Oh, Terry McLaurin's quite, a, quite something to speak of. It, so going into week five, I think it was when the Bears played them on Thursday Night Football, I was like scrambling, try to get my video out, my scouting report on them, and like just, like spent all of Monday, I think it was, just diving into the tape, trying and like their offense, it was just like, what the hell am I watching? Like, what are they doing? Like, they couldn't do anything, nothing until garbage time. They were just complete. They were so lost. Yep. Remember when the it, Bears like, uh, beat the shit out of the 49ers in like week four? Week one? Was that week one? They, what, they beat the, the Niners game? week one. No, uh, yeah, yeah. That was week Loved one. It. Everyone got all excited. Yeah, and then they got the number one overall pick. Yeah, it was quite the ride. <laughs> <laughs> the Bears were 500 after four games. And they got the number one overall pick. <laughs> but... Yeah. Uh, I, I just you just said uh, when you were watching this team and the Bears just like popped in my head. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> remember when the Bears yeah. beat the team that should have gone to the Super Bowl? Yeah, if they had a quarterback. <laughs> but, but so there is one spot or two spots on this team that really concerned me, and it's Nick Gates and Andrew Wiley. And you, yeah. it's, you throw Stromberg in there too. I'm not going to rip a rip a rookie. You know, like a, a rookie's rookie center is hard. So he might not be everything you want him to be. Part of that might just be me being upset because you drafted my guy right before the Bears pick. But yeah. anyways, that th- those are the Nick Gates worries me. Andrew Wiley. Um, Cosme's fine. Leno's fine. Dromberg's a rookie. But those two spots, I think, are big risks on the front. I got a question for you. So this team is plus thirteen hundred to win the division. What do you think their odds would be to win either the NFC North, the NFC South, or the NFC West? They're gonna be pushing plus two hundred on most of those. Maybe not. Maybe yeah. not NFC North. Maybe but plus NFC plus three hundred. I think NFC South and NFC West. They might be the best team in both of those. NFC West. Maybe Seattle's a little bit better than them. San Fran. Oh, San Yeah. What? I, I forgot about San Fran. But, okay. So maybe they're the second best team in the West. Second best team in the North. Or I would say they're they're kind of right on par with Chicago, actually. Yeah. Um, their question marks are completely different places. Yeah. But um, I would say team totality. Man, if you you put Kirk Cousins on this team, how do you feel? Damn good. I don't yeah, know. I, I, I think so. 
in this division. Like, even I with mean, my O line concerns, I think like with McLaurin and Dotson, I, like in this these running backs. Well, I mean, okay. I, actually, so, I don't know. What, like, I like these running backs, but this O line run blocking is really scary. Like, let's say this, not great at. Let's say the Washington Football Skins didn't have historically a field that just rips people's careers away from them in a heartbeat. Um, RG3 was on this team. How good do you feel about this team? Really good. Because really then my O-line concerns drop and it's my run game matter. concerns drop because you're playing 10 on 11. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. Uh, that. I hope they get a new field sooner rather than later because if Micah Parsons fucking goes down on that field, I'm going to go to fucking Raljon, Maryland and burn that motherfucker to the ground myself. Promise that. That's a promise. I will commit arson in the nation's capital. Of Rajon, Maryland. (laughs) Of Rajon, Maryland. (laughs) All right. So, uh, not strength of schedule. Um, Obviously, when you play the Cowboys and Eagles four times out of your 17 games, you're going to have a pretty tough strength of schedule. But let's open it up here Arizona, Denver, Buffalo, Philly. I think best case scenario, this is two and two, probably more of a one and three though. Um, yeah, one and three. I think Denver's. Uh, I would say Denver's more of a toss up because even if Sean Payton does magically turn that thing around and then Russell Wilson is great again and everything, like that defense is still going to give Russ a lot of issues. That's a big defensive line and. You never know, but I would say Denver's need, a toss-up. Yeah, I'd say toss-up is the furthest you can go because September in Denver is oh, yeah. about as hard yeah. as it gets for, for a a game. home field advantage. Yeah, I mean, I could see that being like the Denver-Atlanta game last year where everybody had a lot of high hopes. So like, oh, maybe Marcus Mariota's going to be good again. Oh, we have uh, Russell Wilson with all these receivers in Denver. It's mile high. It's second week of the season. Everybody's like, thrilled it's thursday night football and it was a fucking six to nine game and one of the worst games i've ever seen in my life yeah. i could see that be, being week two again here yeah i, I could definitely <laughs> see that but uh no I, I would say best case scenario two and two probably looking at one three though yeah then we got chicago atlanta Giants, philly i think this could be a two and two stretch possibly even three and one Chicago on Thursday night is going to be tough. Um, but you have the defense for Chicago. And if you can run the ball against them, I think they could possibly control the line of scrimmage. So I would, I would say that's a toss-up. Yeah. But I would, I would put any the toss-up in can favor win. of the Washington. Any game you can win the line of scrimmage, you toss-up at least. And yeah, they, they so, can win the line of scrimmage in uh, Chicago. I would say a toss-up with the advantage going towards Washington. Then Atlanta, I, I, Atlanta's very well coached. They're going to have a lot of talent, but I'm not sold on Desmond Ritter. I might take Stem Howell over Desmond Ritter at this point. Um, I, as much as I like Arthur Smith, I, I, I think old Riverboat Ron gets it done there, and I think they win in Atlanta. New York is a true toss-up to me. And then I don't think it's impossible that they can catch Philly Snooze in there. Interesting. Uh, I think it, so, I mean, 
They were the team that beat Philly last year to break their undefeated record. I'm giving them toss-ups in Chicago, Atlanta, New York, and then uh, I'm not um, – Philly's going to win. Because they caught Philly sleeping last year, I'm not giving them a chance to this year. Yeah, I mean, but I think they're also a better team than they were last year. But that's either here nor there. I mean, I think best-case scenario, that's 3-1. and one. I think it's more likely a 2-2. Two and two. And then Man. we have uh, at New England, at Seattle, New York, and Dallas. Uh, back-to-back road games at New England and Seattle. That's pretty rough. Two very hard places to play. Um, I would say they best-case scenario split that. I think they could pro- probably get one on New York there. And I wouldn't put it past them to beat Dallas either. So it's another – I mean, I – I'm literally giving them a toss up at every game, but I'm saying I, I know I'm doing the same. When your D line is this good, it's hard to not be a toss up against teams who aren't like elite. But like, yeah. so I feel like I'm just going toss up, toss up, no, no, toss up, no, toss up. No. Yeah. <laughs> but then I, then I think they can catch Dallas there. Um, yeah. I'm and then after Dallas. that, we have uh, Miami, Rams, Jet, San Fran, Dallas. I could say this being one. Uh, this probably one and four for me. Um, all these teams are probably going to be needing wins at the end of the season. Um, Miami's in a tough division. Uh, I think they lose to Miami. Uh, I think they beat the Rams. I think the Jets are going to be in a dogfight for the division and possibly even a playoff run. And then San Fran, I could maybe, maybe, maybe see them in a scenario where they're they're at like. 10 wins, but they've already secured the division and there's no way they can get the number one overall pick or the, the number one seed. So I can see like Dallas and Philly both being at like 11 wins. San Fran already having the division locked up, but only at nine wins. And then it's basically impossible for him to get like the number one seed. So they just punt on it. Yeah. <laughs> because just... they, they want to stay healthy. I'm right there but with then, I'm right there with Vegas. I got them at six, and if Dallas is sitting at seven, yeah. So like, I, I mean, I've got them I, right there. I basically have toss ups the whole the whole time, but I will say, plus thirteen hundred to win this division, like, I think Dallas and Philly are both much much more talented than them, but I think they're right on par with New York, and. At plus thirteen hundred, I think that values ludicrous for a division. Yeah. That like we're talking about division that, here. That makes sense here. It's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. Where I mean, we're we're talking about winning a division that is going to beat the shit out of each other. And if Dallas and Philly don't run away with it, nine wins could win the division. Yeah, I can. I and, mean, I can. That that's that that's the best value on this on this is plus thirteen hundred win division. That's yeah. just. It's the only bet I'm throwing down. I mean, the rest of these just don't really add up. Make playoffs at plus 280 or win division at 1,300. I mean, yeah. I just said I have them at six to seven wins. The over-under's out the window. I mean, you know, like... Yeah. And I don't think and they're going to win the NFC, so... I, I think this is the best NFC East we've, we've seen in a long time, which is crazy because I don't know if it'll get three teams... And they've gotten three teams like four times in the past 10 years. And a lot of those times, the division really hasn't been that good. They just, yeah. 
which is all kind of like still wins from each other and then all end up at like nine wins at the end of the year and it's like <laughs> well, we got three teams from the nfc east but um this might possibly be the most talented nfc east we've seen in 20 25 years yeah top to bottom really damn good it is really yeah and in a, a, a pretty weak nfc i mean look at the nfc south yeah. and i mean nothing scares me out of the south i mean you got saints that are all right carolina's all right but, but nothing too crazy look at the nfc north you have a chicago team that's on the rise but not probably quite there yet you have a detroit team that's supremely talented but we'll see you have a green bay team that's on probably the decline and kirk cousins and then you look out west and you have san fran and who else i mean maybe seahawks can do it again but probably not arizona might be the worst team in the league and the Rams might be the worst team in the league. Like, very, very yeah. weak conference. Yeah, it is. I mean, we'll see. The NFC is going to be a wild. It's going to be a wild season for the NFC. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we're sitting week twelve to fourteen, and literally every single team in the NFC is like in the hunt graphic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Absolutely. What like the the last place team in the NFC is like a game and a half back with five to go. Nobody has more than five wins. <laughs> no, nobody has less than four wins, and nobody has more than nine wins. Everybody's just sitting between four and nine wins, like twelve weeks in. Yeah, that, that, that's that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, I see it. Oh, all sixteen of them. So. No, um, all right, so I got Cowboys winning the division. I got Eagles making the playoffs. I think either Washington or Giants also make the playoffs. I think they get three teams in here out of this division. Uh, like I said, they've done it with a lot less talent in years past, but looking at, looking at the totality of the NFC, um, the only other division I can see sending multiple teams would probably be the NFC North. Um, so I think they get three teams here. Three teams in the playoffs. And if a few things break the right way, see all. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I find it hard to believe that only one out of Chicago, Detroit, and Minnesota make the playoffs but i mean it like you said if everything breaks breaks right if if washington beats chicago beats seattle and gets a break somewhere in there you could see it with the tiebreakers yep yep i can see it but all right that brings us up on our division talk so all right who's gonna win the nfc who's gonna win the afc who's gonna win the super bowl who's gonna what's gonna happen this year Oh, man. NFC. Cowboys. I'm going Cowboys, too. Cowboys. Um, I, think they're the, I think they're the most talented team. I do as well. And then AFC. I mean, I'm going Cowboys Chiefs. And it's going to be the most. Yeah. It's going to be the most internal struggle I've ever had in a football game in my life. Cowboys Chiefs. And I'm. Yeah, I think since he lost too much on their defense, like they lost a few key guys and 
Uh, I think Chief, they're not. I don't think they're gonna be able to, to topple the Chiefs. Yeah, and I think they were the only team close to doing it. Honestly, um, yeah, I, I don't love Buffalo. I know a lot of people do. Uh, Miami. I still really like Buffalo. I just, I don't know how they how they're gonna match. Like you look at when Buffalo really Buffalo, Dallas would be a great was with too. Kansas City. Cole Beasley put up a lot of yards that year. A lot of catches. Since then, they haven't had that guy. They never replaced it. They said Gabe Davis is going to become that, and it hasn't really happened. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, You look at Kansas City's, like, skill positions, they have a lot of guys that might be good. But outside of Travis Kelsey, you don't really know. But has that really mattered in the past? Um, But, I mean, there's some wildcard teams. Like, the the Jets could do something. Miami's definitely there in the hunt um but i mean i i think it's i think it's a three-team race like it has been for the last four years i think it's i think it's cincy i think it's chiefs i think it's bills and i'm i'm going chiefs yeah Chiefs. and then i'm taking um, cowboys i trevor like the lawrence, way the cowboys trevor lawrence keep making some noise though i think trevor lawrence is taking oh well he'll beat the shit out of Je- They'll beat the shit out of Justin Herbert in the first round, then lose to Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow in the second. Like, yeah, <laughs> he, he's just good enough to be right underneath Patrick Mahomes. I don't know. I'm Joe Burrow. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm saying I think they could be the two seed. Jackson. Oh, yeah, they could definitely be the two seed. Beat the shit out of uh, Justin Herbert in the first round and lose to Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes in the second. Yeah, I. I could see that championship game. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they very well could. I mean, I, I, I think the bills are very overrated. I, I mean, I like Josh Allen a lot. I just, I just don't think he's as great as everybody else thinks he is. I think it's, and, I think it's Mahomes. I think it's Mahomes and, uh, Burrow. And then there's a very, very large drop off. And then Allen Herbert, uh, Lawrence are kind of on that next tier, immediately yeah. followed by so like what I'm... Dak, Jalen Hurts, uh, and, and that that lot of guys. What I'm, what I'm trying to say is, I think Lawrence takes a step this year to that next level. Like maybe he doesn't surpass Joe Burrow, but I think he steps above the Herbert. Oh yeah, and above the Allen level, uh, I could definitely say that. Yeah, see, I didn't say Allen because, you know, I think Allen and Burrow are right there. I don't think it's close. But you don't agree, so that's fine. I mean, Josh Allen lost a coin flip. Um, ever since then, everybody's acted like he's the greatest quarterback to ever play because he lost a coin flip to Patrick Mahomes. Um, just don't see it. Yeah. I think Joe Burrow, when he had three I think he's legitimate very, I think, weapons, was a lot. Or, I mean, Josh Allen, when he had three legitimate weapons, was a lot different than Josh Allen without it. And I think Burrow is kind of in that same boat because we haven't seen Burrow without three legitimate weapons. Not even in college. But at the same time, Joe Burrow consistently gets it done when shit hits the fan. Josh Allen did it one time. Yeah. Josh Allen's one time was when he had three legitimate weapons. And he still lost because he lost the coin flip. But yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't dislike Josh Allen, but I, I just think he's he's closer to a Dak Prescott than he is Burrow or Mahomes. Yeah. And, hey, that's your right to have that opinion. But I think we're both, or me, I, I think I'm forgetting about someone here. Wild card and all this. Lamar Jackson and the revamped Baltimore Ravens offense. Yeah. It's going to be fun. I think it could make some noise. Yeah. Uh, Are we finally going to say something on Rashad Bateman? J.K. Dobbins is about to be a Cowboy, so he won't be there. Uh, I mean, I think think the Ravens offense. They should be really good. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they they could be the class of that division if uh, if if Burrow misses any time. Have, has has anything came out on that calf injury of his? I don't know, but I'm not too worried about it. I mean, honestly, carted off the field in training camp means something very different than in regular season because the fields are pretty far away, and it's just the fastest way to get them in the training room. And I'm also, I mean, you want to take every so. you want to take every precaution. Yeah. eight weeks before the season, it's like. If they have a minor tear and they walk back 500 yards, yeah, it's like even walking can make it worse. So it's like, yeah. why even risk it? <laughs> yeah, it's not it, like card off the field is more dramatic than I think it. Probably oh no, is. I just I, my biggest thing is like, usually if it's not a big deal, we hear something by now. Yeah, yeah, but I also mean, if it, I'll be if I'll it, be honest. At the I've same been time, moving if, for the last week, so all I saw was that happen, and I didn't know that nothing had come out yet. About yeah, it. no, I've been I've been trying to keep a good eye on it. I haven't seen anything, but uh, the crazy thing is, is if there, if it was no big deal, I felt like we would have heard something. But also, if it was a big deal, like I'm sure they would have already had surgery too. So it's just like it's gray area, man. Gray area. All right. Well. So I got, we got Cowboys, Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I got Cowboys winning. I'm sure you have the Chiefs winning. Patrick Mahomes gets his third. So Patrick Mahomes gets his third. Dak gets his his one shot at greatness and falls slightly short. Um, Due to no fault of his own, but Patrick Mahomes just being a a goaded motherfucker. And him just not Patrick Mahomes. Nobody is. That's why he's Patrick Mahomes and you're not. Well, there are two Patrick. Four. Four? He's the fourth. Or no, his son's the fourth. He's the third. I thought he was the second. Are we sure? I just watched the Netflix show. I swear he was... His son was the fourth. Either way. We have to know how many Patrick Holmes are on Okay, hold on. <laughs> I mean, if there's more than walking around, we need them on our teams. Okay, Patrick Mahomes is the second. You're right. Okay. His son is the third. I could have swore he said on the Netflix show his son was the fourth. And I was like, even like, oh, I thought, yeah, maybe I just made that up in my head. <laughs> but, all right. Three Not Patrick Mahomes walking the earth. I think that's all we got. Right, then. Who are we not sleeping on now that we're through all the divisions? Washington? Yeah. 
Hmm. Which, uh, we did the Lions. They were your they were your division rival. Do we need to choose one of my division rivals? Don't sleep on the commies. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's either Washington or Houston. I still love that Houston roster, and I think it's, I think that Houston roster. The more I look at it, is getting more and more disrespected every week. So, I think Houston has enough talent that the public's going to jump on it quickly. But everybody's I think Washington on it. is going to stay low key. Yeah. Like, you're saying Houston people will jump on the Houston train by doing like well. Four. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think people will jump on the watch drain fast, which makes me think they're the team you're not sleeping. They're the joke. They're, de- they're the meme. I think they're definitely going to be a covered machine. And that's yeah. kind of what we were talking about with the Lions when we picked them. It's like, they're yeah. going to be in every game. like, And they were covered machines for two straight years. Yeah. So, yeah, don't I think sleep we, on the commies. We, don't sleep on the commies. We got to get a new song. But, all right, I think that's going to about do it for us. Uh, I apologize for my lack of speaking early on. I can't breathe going through going through with the worst with allergies, so my apologies. But uh, Q's getting settled into his new city. He is now a Philadelphia Eagle for the rest of his life, so he, well, he's got that He is now a Philadelphia Eagle for the rest of his life, so now he's got that going for him, so... Congratulations to you on uh, on that. So, anything else? You tried any new food spots? What's the place? I don't know yet, man. It's just been unpacking. <laughs> unpacking and unpacking. You didn't hire movers? Oh, no. No, sir. You're too, damn, you're too damn old not to have a moving crew. I know, but I <laughs> tell them to get cheaper. Lower those prices. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what it would cost, to, especially a, a city. I mean, I'm sure it wouldn't be that much for a, a moving town to town in Texas, but yeah, I, I bet cities are quite expensive. Yeah, well, you your truck? More distance. Not yet. It's going to be cold. If you're looking for an F-150, hit up Mr. Quentin here. Yeah. If you're willing well, to no. pay ten, if you're willing to pay ten thousand over asking, he'll sell it to you in a heartbeat. Yep. Absolutely. It'll all be yours. He'll, he'll even autograph it and throw in a picture of oh, yeah. for you. Yeah. hundred percent. You pay yeah. ten thousand over asking, I'll I'll give you a lot of Yeah. He he, <laughs> he might even let you pet Buttkiss if you're really, really serious buyers. Keep yeah. that fun. All right. Thank y'all for listening. We're about to get into fantasy, which I'm so fucking of course. Let's get it on. Yeah, let's get it. All right. See y'all next week. And don't sleep out the commies. Don't do it. <laughs>